Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You are now listening to the Cast, the number one old school RuneScape podcast featuring guests from all across Gelenor. To support this podcast, visit the Patreon link in the description. All right, welcome to the Cast number 57 with Roydy. Roydy, how you doing today? I am very well. How are you? I am excellent. I'm very excited to get you on. We've been in the talks of getting you on for a few months now. And so Indeed. finally got it all set up right before Leagues 3, which uh, I did say right before this, I need you to convince me to play Leagues 3. So, right. <laughs> But before we get into that, I want to get into you. For those that don't know, um, gotcha. a lot of people on my YouTube also don't watch Twitch. So mm-hmm. you're very Twitch focused. So let's hear a little bit about you. So I, uh, I wouldn't say there's too much to say. I mean, I'm your basic RuneScape Twitch streamer. I don't really do anything in the way of variety. I've been streaming now about a little over three and a half years. I've just gone through steady growth since then. I know you said, I think you referred to me as a, a giant of the yeah. old school Twitch <laughs> category. I don't know if I would give myself that distinction, but I think I, I think I'd give you it. I don't know. You're Maybe. up there. It, you know what? So I sorry to interrupt, but I just want to know like how was your Twitch growth? Because I swear to God, you were like pulling hundreds of viewers within your first six months. That's what it felt like. Yeah, I mean, I can't credit myself entirely with that. I had been on Twitch since maybe 2014 on and off, and like I had made myself known in a stream or two, like Foes Chat. I was a mod in Foes Stream before I ever started streaming, so it's not like not like nobody had any idea who I was. Yeah. And as such, when I started streaming. I remember I, it was probably like the fourth or fifth day of my streaming. I wanted to give it like two or three weeks of me streaming just to kind of get my footing because Foe knew that I was about to start streaming. and I think he was inclined to host me at some point. Yeah. And then after like three or four days, he just goes and does that when I don't really want <laughs> it to happen. And I'm just doing like Canifus rooftop agility. 
And this is at the time when I'm like this super buff, straight out of college guy. And everyone's like, oh, my <laughs> I do God, remember that. You? And so it was just like an, a metric fuckload of questions based around gym related stuff. And that's just yeah. as the years have gone by, that's kind of less and less what I'm about. I'm mainly just kind of RuneScape career focused right now. But, yeah. you know, those questions do still come up. And I'm always happy to answer them. That's because that is my educational. Okay. So, um, so you started in 2018 on Twitch, and 2018, I, I, July 14th, as I recall. Okay, I do want to ask you about your fitness journey and kind of like what, of course, what uh, decisions led to kind of more focused on RuneScape. So, um, the other thing I want to know is when did you start watching Twitch, and then when did you start playing old school as well? So, for the Twitch thing, I started watching Twitch in probably 2014, like I said, because. Funny enough, prior to that, I was always like, I I knew what like Justin TV was yeah. before it had turned into Twitch, and I was like, who the hell would want to watch somebody play video games? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I was, I was of that opinion before getting into it myself. But yeah. as I got into old school, that's kind of that was kind of a boom on Twitch as to like understanding why somebody might want to do that and that sense of community, especially with old school, because it's just such a. I would say our category, amongst others, is very much community focused. So oh, that yeah. definitely did appeal to me. 100%. As for the other question, what was that about? Uh, when did you start old school? Old school. So I've played RuneScape since I think. I'm a little hazy on the date. It was either like late 03 or 04. So long time now, like close to 20 years. And oh, so school, you've been playing like all. Okay, I was just asking about old school. Pretty much my whole life, yeah. Okay, okay. And then old school specifically, I started I think in late 2013. It would have been earlier had I known about it, but like. <laughs> One day it occurred to me like, oh, I used to play RuneScape. Let's go see what that game's all about now. <laughs> so I go and I sign onto the regular RuneScape website and I sign in, not even knowing that RS3 is a thing. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And then, and then I find out that old school is a thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm playing this. Yeah. And then ever since then, I've been playing. It is such a foreign game, RS3. You just log in. You're like, what is I didn't even know here? where I was. I assumed yeah. I was in Lumbridge when I signed in, but everything was just all dark. And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> And the trees were massive, so you're like, I don't know. That was, like, the first thing I noticed was the trees were actually, like, tall, like, real-life trees. In runes, in old school, like, every tree is only about, like, twice your height, generally, or, like, yeah. lower. So, I mean, except for those new Isle of Soul monstrosities and whatnot. Dude, I don't even want to yeah. talk about Isle of Souls. That is the most... I hate that place. I literally hate it. They need to add, like, two fairy rings for that place. Oh, it's, yeah. It's obnoxious getting around there. And to clarify for the RS3 players, I would be lying if I said I'd ever given it a chance. So don't don't take it as me being dismissive of it. I've just never personally played the game. I'm sure it's fun, but not for me. Yeah, I think uh, I'd have to agree with that. I've never played it. I just kind of like joined the bandwagon unironically and just like yeah. flame RS3. But I mean, people have said Iron Man RS3 is great and there's no microtransactions. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> So... I kind of want to talk about actually fitness because when you brought up your first few streams, I do remember you sitting. I want to say it looked like a kitchen, like a little it was, uh, dining so it area. Was, it was a smaller apartment, about 700 square feet. So like oh, everything geez. was kind of roughly within like a two room area. But yeah. it was like a little dining area within the greater living room, kind of adjacent to a kitchen. Mm, okay. And it was in this little like box of a desk. So things were kind of echoey, but it was really the only spot that I could use. <laughs> yeah. 
I just love that. And uh, I just remember the lights were dark, and you were like, I mean, no gotchy intended, but you were like oiled up, I swear to God, or it was just hot in that apartment. But I'm like, who is this well, dude? Like, it was July, and I'm just like naturally kind of a kind of a hot person, just yeah. <laughs> in terms of body temperature, so I was very sweaty. There's a guy on Twitch called Roth, um, Roth Bros, and he's a, uh, I think he's an Australian or New, Ze- New Zealand. I'm uncultured. I don't know like who's who, but... Um, he has very similar vibes to you. Just like you are a very unique streamer. And he also, I just, I just started watching him like a month ago or so. And he's, he's a very casual streamer, kind of part-time, but, um, just completely different vibes, really cool music, a little bit different music than you have, but, um, it's still like, it's just way different. It's not like you're listening to drum and bass or mm-hmm. trance that a lot, I mean, occasionally probably, but, uh. You kind of have those, those synth wave vibes going on. So I want to ask, like, where did that kind of stem from, your music taste? Well, so as for the vibes themselves, I don't necessarily try to project any sort of vibe or, like, way that the stream feels. I don't watch myself. Like, I can't stand to watch even clips <laughs> of myself. So the persona that I put out in the vibe of my stream is kind of up for interpretation. I don't try to have it be any sort of certain... But as for the music, I think I first heard, I think I first heard Synthwave maybe in like 2015 or so. I think, as I recall, I was browsing through Reddit and there was some thread that was like, you should listen to this. And it linked to some like generic space wave Synthwave playlist. And this is back. So Synthwave really started popping off around maybe like 2009, 2010. It's always been a thing. Like synthesizers are very old. Yeah the new synthwave genre really kind of emerged around that time with people like Kavinsky and whatnot. FM Attack, one of my favorites. And in this Spacewave playlist was arguably the most famous synthwave artist by the name of Perturbator. Most people have heard of him, even if they don't know the genre per se. And when I heard there was these two songs by him, there was Humans Are Easy Prey and She Is Young, She Is Beautiful, She Is Next, or maybe something like that. And I heard those two songs and I was like, wow, I have never heard anything like this in my life. I like this so much. And then I just, I got sucked into the genre so hard from there. And it's just, it's always appealed to me since then. That's Usually awesome. you go through phases with music genres, but it's like, this just does not get old to me. Yeah. And I know I've turned a lot of people onto it as well because they'll, they'll never have heard it either. Yeah. I think that's like part of the coolest things of going into your stream is I guarantee myself that I will hear a new song I've never heard. Or it's like a lot yeah, of it gets a little cumbersome having to give people song links all the time, but yeah. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Now, I need to find a way to automate that myself because I've switched my my music program. Like, I switched from Spotify to YouTube Music, and oh my god, even YouTube Music has so many issues. There's no way yeah, it's to, like... real easy with Spotify, but usually at the beginning of the stream, yeah. I'll just like I'll go through my favorites and I'll pull up like six or seven albums or playlists for the day and just kind of go through those. Mm. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, do you just have one playlist or do you just kind of pull up? No, I wish it was so easy as me just having one playlist. I don't know, man. When you have one playlist, me personally, I have one playlist and I get burnt out and I try, like, if I'm not up keeping my playlist every other day, like, at least, I start getting, it starts getting stale. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not the only genre I'm interested in. I love, I love all types of music, really. It's just synthwave is probably the one I listen to the most. But like in yesterday's stream, I was playing rap for like half an hour. Yeah, yeah. No, you got to get those little, uh, 
little variations here and there. It, d- it depends how I feel. Synthwave for me is number one. I've always been a big classic rock fan, but not everybody is super into that on Twitch. Yeah, no, for sure. Okay, so uh, the music was a cool part about your stream that I remember, but also you're just a very intriguing guy. I think anybody that's really dedicated to fitness, kind of going back to Roth, um, Bruz, he, he is mm-hmm. also like a fitness enthusiast. Um, and I know you were at the time. And there's something, sure. I don't know what it is. I think it's just, uh, there's just something that draws people into somebody that's like really passionate about fitness or something like that. Like, cause it's so apparent. Um, yeah. I mean, you kind of wear the hobby on the outside. Yeah. So how was that for you? And when did you get into fitness? I should ask. So I, I mean, people who follow my stream know this, but I was, I was a fat kid myself up until I was probably about 17. I think it was, it must have been the day after my 17th birthday. I think I got a gym membership as a gift because it was like rather expensive. It was a YMCA. And then I went with my buddy at the time who would frequent the gym just so he could kind of show me the ropes. And it was pretty much, it was over for after day one. I was, I was super into it. That's awesome. Because I had seen my oldest brother, who's about seven or eight years older than me. Mm-hmm. He, with a similar upbringing, was also kind of a fat kid. But around the time he was maybe, he must have been about 22 or 23, he started going to the gym himself. And I see him transforming so rapidly. And I'm like, if this is my brother and he's doing this, what the hell's stopping me from doing this too? Like, I don't I don't have to look this way anymore. Yeah. So I just, I get into it, albeit a little... A little abruptly, and in retrospect, I was kind of dumb about it. But over the years, as I I advanced my education, I became better. But the point is, I went from basically no activity to going to the gym five, six times a week and eating significantly better. And needless to say, the results came. Yeah. And then I, further after that, I went to school, to college, for civil engineering, actually, for two years. And got very burnt out of that. I did not like it at all. I did a a summer internship my sophomore year with uh, the Department of Transportation. And I was doing that internship. And I distinctly remember having a conversation with one of my bosses who was like this cool mid-30s guy, 90s kid. And I was saying like, hey, man, I don't like this at all. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, when I was your age, I thought the same thing. And then they just kept paying me more money. And here I am. I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that. So (laughs) I ended up dropping out of school for a semester. And then I was kind of at a loss for what to do. So I was like, you know what? I guess I'm just going to go back to school. What do I like? And what I liked was fitness. So I went back for kinesiology. I racked up a bunch of gen ed credits, of course, by this point. So all that I really had to do was just take like the course specific requirements. So school was pretty easy for me past that point. I would say I was a full-time student, but it didn't really feel that way. Yeah. So I would basically just play RuneScape and <laughs> do my class stuff. Yeah. Wow. So that gave that gave like a solid educational background to what I knew. I was very I was so into it that I would just be researching and doing stuff all day long. I had a pretty good personal grasp of all these things, and I would say my education did definitely serve to solidify everything that I, at least I thought I knew. Mm-hmm in a more formal sort of way. Yeah, there is something very exciting about fitness. Like I'm not the, I worked out in college and stuff, but I, I've definitely fallen out like past four years. It's just been like 
occasional it's, it's a workout. lot easier to work out in a college setting oh than yeah than there's a bunch of girls there oh sure. yeah at least from my point of view that is exactly me too if there's a girl in my general vicinity that like you know we have some sort of chemistry like i am going to work out every fucking day of my life <laughs> yeah yeah if it's if i'm just playing runescape i'm like ugh, it's really hard to find that motivation right now to Go, you you nice quickly workout. learn in any fitness journey that that is not a sustainable motivation. <laughs> yeah. It has to become intrinsic at some point. It does. And I thought it actually did at one point become my lifestyle. But uh, you can break out of those things, even if you build that habit. Absolutely. I, I would say I've definitely done that in maybe the past. So when COVID started, obviously, in lockdowns, my mm-hmm. gym closed. And past that point, that was kind of that was I wouldn't say the nail in the coffin. But in terms of like the routine I had established in the previous six or seven years, that was definitely out the door. Yeah. Which is just depressing to think, you know, I mean, I was, I was at such a level before to where I'm never going to not be wearing that at least physically. I mean, you reach a certain point of muscularity, your body doesn't really forget that. Yeah, that's true. I am a far cry from the way I used to be. Yeah. Then the cool thing is, is like you were just saying, like seven years of fitness and like consistency, you can get back to that point. Like, I mean, maybe not to that exact point when you were in your younger 20s and stuff, but like still, I mean, you got the frame. It doesn't really matter. You just go work out for a month or so. You're pretty much. If if I was diligent, I could be at a very different place than I am right now inside of three or four months' time, but I'm never going to have, I'm never going to be the guy putting in two-hour workout seven times a week and yeah. cooking for an hour or two every day because that's <laughs> when you're in college and you had a course load like i did that was feasible but now not yeah. so much absolutely so i kind of you were saying earlier that that's kind of not you're not as passionate about like just going hard uh, uh in the gym so yeah and you're saying covid was kind of like the nail in the coffin but what do you think now like present day what do you see your fitness life as, I guess, or what would you like it to be, um, I guess, now that you're a full-time streamer? I would say it's definitely not of importance to me to look anything like the way that I used to mm-hmm. because you do learn after a while. You lose you lose perspective because it's you doing it the whole time and the, the gains are so gradual. You do start to lose perspective of the way that people view you when you look that way. And I will say, cause most people have not experienced such a reality, but you cannot escape what people might think about you that when you look like that, like even I consider myself a perfectly well-spoken person, but before any sort of formal introduction, you're just going to assume I'm stupid because of the way that I look. <laughs> and that is very much a reality. I had so many people tell me upon meeting me like, wow, you are not at all the way I thought you were. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that's what happens when you just assume. <laughs> yeah, that's so true, though. That's funny. Because like, I would say in, with fitness, with martial arts, with anything like that in the modern era, the the age of information, it does have a certain gravity towards nerdier types, for sure. And I would put myself in that bracket. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> I guess like what do you what do you see your routine as then if uh you're not going to be like going super hard anymore. Is I there... mean, ideally I yeah. would have a balanced diet that 
consisted at least minimally of things like pizza, but <laughs> which is a little bit overboard right now. I heard that you were going to get pizza for leagues three because you ain't going to be cooking for some of those days. I mean, probably tomorrow I'll do I'll do some meal prepping, but I'd be lying if I said there won't be pizza. Yeah, but, I mean, back in the day, there have been times when I would I would go months between what you would consider cheat meals, just absolute perfect diet. And obviously, I would I would have a lot of success in those periods, but it was a little boring. Yeah. But when you don't have the time to dedicate to that sort of thing, it's easy just to go for these quick options. Like my current daily routine is I'll get up at like, I'll get up around like nine or so, and then I'll just kind of putz around for two or three hours and eat and get ready to start the day. And then I'll stream at like noon and I'll stream for about seven hours or so. I usually stream seven days per week and kind of just don't stream when I feel like it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then come like 7 p.m., I'm not really super thrilled to like be getting into anything like cooking or working yeah. out. So most days I just will not work out and my diet will be poor. Mm-hmm. In an ideal circumstance, I would have the motivation to rectify that for at least like an hour a day because that would just go so far in and of itself. Yeah. As far as working out, I wouldn't be like five, six, seven days a week. If I could just work out three times a week, I think that would be fantastic. Especially, that's not necessarily the best way to build one's physique per se, but for someone who's been there like me, it can certainly serve to get me back there. Yeah, and just help maintain where you're at, I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if your muscles are a certain way at some point, they can get back to that state far easier than how they got there the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I won't so, dive into a super scientific delve into that, but. I, this is going to be a weird tangent already getting here because, uh, you know, we got a lot of topics on RuneScape. But I just need to ask, like, you know, in college there was a bunch of girls around. Do you get, uh, I guess, this might be too personal. Don't don't uh, feel free to not answer it. But uh, do you get female uh, interaction here and there now that you're a full-time streamer? Or is it uh, far between like uh, my life has been? <laughs> I mean, I don't leave the house, so <laughs> that's an automatic no right there. Like, if unless I'm at yeah. the grocery store, I'm not meeting or talking to anybody. Yeah, but I would say it's just not really of key importance to me. I mean, you see, especially in this community, there's a lot of uh, a lot of thirsty individuals. I oh, do yeah. not count myself among them. Yeah. So it's just not something that's really that important to me. It's pretty easy to not be among those. Like, those people are, like, out of control horny. I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty easy to just kind of keep your distance from that party. But uh, And it's not like I am <laughs> expecting someone to, like, show up at my door. Yeah. Which, like, hey, you want to get married? But still. I will say I had a DoorDash delivery that was a uh, a girl. And I don't know what it is, but, like... Seeing a girl, and they're supposed to drop off the order at the door and leave, like leave me alone, you know, like let me just pick up my order in peace. Now that oh, COVID, talking about that for like half an hour. <laughs> I love that, by the way, that I don't need to even see a person. I just get my food and go back in, oh, yeah. unshowered, go back to RuneScape in the dark. <laughs> I know it's it's the best part of this whole past few years. <laughs> but I do remember this. Uh, this probably like two months ago, a girl was just standing there. I, I guess she was expecting me to tip or something like they don't have any cash or anything. And I purposely didn't cash? tip that one. So I just look like a jerk because uh. my previous orders had just been so bad. I'm like, I'm not tipping right now. Like, no. Yeah. And then she's just standing there. Like, wait, I'm like, I thought for the first instance, the reason I bring this up is like the first instance, I thought she was like 
like wanting to talk or something. <laughs> that was like, this is so weird to be in a position where I'm just like face to face with a girl. It's been years at this point. And well, I think worse is if you order a bunch of crap like two days in a row and it's the same delivery. <laughs> oh person, God. And they definitely remember you. Yeah. No, that hasn't happened actually. I don't think so. I've had that happen for sure. That was awkward. Yeah. It's uh, I think that would be the only thing that would, permanently get me back into fitness and into like a nice routine is honestly just a yeah. girl at this point um because that's some what sort of extrinsic expectation for the way that you should keep yourself for sure yeah but i mean generally i don't get too much into this sort of thing because i think there's there's an expectation for a streamer to be like absolutely open with every aspect of their life and yeah. i'm just not really that way yeah that's fair okay um Cool. I think uh kind of gotten to know you a little bit better for those that didn't. Um how have you seen streaming? Uh I want to get to some Twitter topics as well, but just to kind of like start us off. Yeah, and but before that I will say that I am very much like an old man in that if I get asked a question, I might very well just go off on an extremely <laughs> tangential response for like fifteen minutes in a row. That is literally and not perfect. really address what was said. But, <laughs> <laughs> That's like I perfect. Tell us if I want to tell a story, I got to tell like four other stories. <laughs> or yeah, or you're like me and like you start going on something, completely forget what you were trying, or you do remember what you're trying to answer, but you have so many tangents to the point where like the question was never actually answered at all. You just keep going down this rabbit hole. I'm very long winded in that sense. It yeah. makes like writing emails difficult. <laughs> yeah. You remind me of my dad, by the way, I know that might be a little weird, but the kind of, uh, I don't know the, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but you remind me of my dad, which is so strange. Cause I can't actually put my like finger on it, what it is, but yeah. Anyway, hopefully that's well, not too I, weird. I grew up around a lot of older people. <laughs> I was, uh, I'm the youngest child of two youngest children. And for a while I was the youngest of 11 cousins, I think. So okay. everybody I grew up around was significantly older. Than me. And if, if that's the case, most youngest children are this way. You kind of get to growing up a little faster. Yeah. You communicate in sort of a in a, more of an old timey way. That's interesting. That and I, I do personally place a lot of importance on the way you project yourself in your communication. I will say to go totally tangential. I find, I find communication language and and whatnot to be, albeit very useful and critical. I find it to be somewhat of a poor way of getting to know somebody. Like the old saying of you can learn more about someone in an hour of play than a year of conversation. I find that very true. Wow. So by that token, I think it is very important to express oneself properly through communication just to kind of curb that as best you can. Yeah. I've never even heard that saying, but that's probably true. I want to say that was like Socrates or someone like that. Interesting. Aristotle, Plato. Yeah. So you're, uh, you live in maine i want to say i live in florida i'm from maine i live in florida okay. now for the past year and maine is one of those is like the oldest state is that what i heard or something like yes the old oldest people? average population and think the average person's like 40 it's <laughs> <laughs> so interesting yeah i've never been to maine been to florida but... it's a pretty well-kept secret of a state i think we like to keep it that way it's got about a million people in terms of population <laughs> yeah that's funny lowest crime in the country oh yeah it's gotta be i mean you never hear about I never hear about Maine, I'll be honest. Yeah, we, we keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> uh what what brought you to Florida? 
So I, a lot of people know I live in a house that my grandparents purchased in retirement in, uh, I think, 96. Mm. They, both of them passed away, like, probably around the turn of the century, long time ago. And ever since then, the house was inherited by my dad. And it's kind of just been rented out since then, periodically. And it was unoccupied around late last year, where my lease ended at my old apartment. And so... Rather than trying to navigate this current uh, housing slash rental market, <laughs> my dad was pretty much begging for me to just either come home or come here just to like kind of save some money. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do that. Nice. And here I am in a house that would definitely be beyond my means to have if I were in my own devices. Yeah. It's cool. It looks nice. Which it looks very... I am I am an extremely independent person and it pained me to have to like, I wouldn't say take a handout like this, but yeah. do something that isn't just like entirely through my own means but then there comes a point where you're just being arrogant and just not taking an opportunity that's been presented to you yeah yeah i feel i feel the same way but i mean you're you're what 25 i'm 26 i have been entirely independent in like in all ways since i was like 19 or 20 so it's something that's pretty important to me but you know as i said sometimes you just got to take a handout when it comes your way doesn't mean I'm always going to be here. I'll be here maybe like another year at most before I try to find somewhere else. But I have no idea where I'm going to go after this. I'm cool taking a handout as long as there's nothing expected of me. Where it's like, oh, now yeah. like, now your dad or something or whoever like let you like kind of have a place now like expects that you do something else. Like, come on, this isn't a handout. At this yeah, point my, my dad would never be that way. It's, okay. I mean, he's like any father where he just. Just wants the best. If you consider your son to be a reflection of you, he just wants to give me chances that maybe he didn't have and just become a better version of what he grew up to be. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, what's the vibe like? I know you don't leave your house, but like, for I mean, it it is a retirement community. So, like, 55 plus. So, it's still the same Maine community. (laughs) It still feels like Maine, probably. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter where I am. I'm not leaving the house anyway. And obviously, I work from home streaming. Yeah. Aside from my outings to the grocery store, it's all the same. It's nicer. The, the weather, though, is nicer. I will say that. I do miss the snow, but you, you can't complain waking up at 70 degrees. Yeah. We had snow for one day here, by the way. I live in Alabama. so uh, Alabama? Yeah. I'm not from here. I always have to say that, which is such a shame. That, <laughs> like, whenever you say you live in Alabama, you got to, like, preface it by, like, nah, I don't, I, don't I, I wasn't born here, you know? Yeah, that's actually, Florida, I think, is ranked, like, number two in terms of everybody who lives here. I think only about 30% of people in Florida are from Florida. Really? Everybody just comes here. Do you know what Alabama's is? I don't know. I saw the graph, like, maybe two or three weeks ago. I thought you, by saying number two was Florida, I thought it was, like, number one is Alabama. I was like, Jesus. I think it's somewhere like that, but I don't Mm. think so. I would assume maybe Alabama is more of a keep it in the family. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> stay stay in your hometown kind of area. Yeah. Maine is kind of that way, but in a little bit less of a cake in a sense. <laughs> Which for you non-Twitch viewers, yeah. think country. Yeah. I always have to just say, like, people are like, how's Alabama? I'm the, I respond the same way as you would. Like, I don't leave the house. I don't even know what Alabama's yeah. like. It looks like every other state I've been to where you just go outside. There's, there's a McDonald's. There's a Taco Bell. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. People ask me all the time, like, how do you like living in Florida? I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, like it's all same. right. That's what it feels like to me. Um, can't even remember why I even said that, the Alabama thing. But, uh, oh, yeah, it snowed one day. And uh, it was nice having one day of nice, like, six inches of snow. 
I got oh, to yeah. take a morning walk, and I was like, wow, this is awesome. But I don't want this, like, staying for months and having it all slushy and muddy and gross. That is, it's pretty much the first snowfall of the season that's always the most romantic. And then yeah. after that, it just turns into gray-brown mush. Yeah, it's horrible. After a snowfall, though, if you've never experienced snow too much, it's, um, the snow kind of cuts down the ambient noise to where after a big snowfall, it's just extremely peaceful outside. Yeah. You can hardly hear a thing. And bright. Like, I went out at four in the morning where it's supposed to be pitch black. It's just so oh, yeah. bright out. And all the snow. And if there's no gosh. wind chill, it will reflect the sun as well and feel kind of nice out. Yeah, no, it was really peaceful. It scared the hell out of me. I opened my door because it was one of my New Year's resolutions to like go out and do some form of activity. So I went out and I was just like, I was in shock. I didn't know what I was looking at. It's been so many years since I've seen snow. So, yeah. Okay. Um, let's go into the Twitter topics. Uh, sure. I, I guess we might as well just get this out of the way. I don't feel like there is anything because, again, you don't leave your house. But Crylax wants to know, as a Florida man, what is the what is one of the craziest situations you have seen or been a part of? Hmm. If any. Well, I will say one thing. I don't really have any good stories for that. But one thing that I'm very much not accustomed to from Maine is you don't see anybody in Maine, like, selling watermelons on the side of the road. And <laughs> no one is vending scrap metal out of their lawn. It's just, it's very different. I was driving down here, like, through central Florida area. You just, you see a lot of things you're not accustomed to coming from New England. Yeah. Well, here, let me ask this, like... I feel like in Florida, so I went to Miami back in February, just like last year, mm-hmm. and uh, never you... been that far south myself. Okay, well, well, maybe maybe that would answer it then. But I'm just thinking, whenever I think of Florida, I think of shirtless old people, uh, really tan, yeah, shirtless. That's probably pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like you'd see that in, uh, like in Maine, unless I'm mistaken. I mean, technically, anybody can go topless in Maine, even women. It's it's within the laws to do so. Really. Yeah, but that said, nobody does that unless you're just like at your house. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I just, I guess, I just think of Florida as just old shirtless men. I don't know. It's what I it's saw. It's almost a lot. like it's like the adage of if you don't see anybody crazy on the bus, it means you're the crazy person. <laughs> I kind of feel that way about Florida. Like when I go to the grocery store and I'm wearing like flip flops and sweatpants and coat in 70 degree weather because I keep my wallet in my coat. I guess, like maybe I'm the Florida man. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um But yeah, no no great answer for that question. I'm yeah, that's totally fair. Uh Zoe Pancakes asks, What in real life gave you your diligence and persistence in game? So Well, let's see. I guess it would how it would be how one defines diligence and persistence within old school runescape if i if they would consider me to be some such i would say i mean it might you might get the perception of that just because i'm like literally forced to play it for (laughs) seven eight nine hours a day and you're going to be making progress if you do that Mm -hmm. i would say it's mainly just because i enjoy it it's not like it's not like i'm this person who's just so squared away in every aspect of my life it's just this is one thing for me that if it's going to be my job, of course, I'm going to try to do it well. Yeah. Okay. Um, With anything that I get into, I'm a very extreme personality, and I like to be the best that I can realistically be at that thing. 
same with same for fitness when I was into that, same for RuneScape now, same for whatever other hobbies I might get into in the future. I'm very much an extreme person in that sense. Mm. Which I, can be unhealthy, but can also be advantageous. Yeah, I think it's. I think it would be more advantageous. I mean, you look at any person that's the best of, you know, anything like sports or something. They always go to the absolute extremes to the point where, as, as long as you don't lose perspective. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I actually want to ask. I vividly remember being in your stream when you died on your first hardcore. <laughs> yeah. To a smoke devil. Um. I mean, it, it was multiple. Yeah. yeah, multiple smoke devils. Well, it was one. The one, you know, is the yeah. The one. I mean, someone did that eight that <laughs> <Yeah>. killed me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, very tragic. Uh, extremely tragic. And I kind of want to hear your thoughts because for those that don't know, like you immediately just started another hardcore, and you had yeah. a, a beastly hardcore. And I do not understand that how you can just boom, let's go again. Like Jesus Christ, the hours spent gone. I would say I, I do have an answer for that. So okay. at the time, that hardcore, and even still to this day, I would put that account probably in like the top 50 hardcores ever to have been, even though it died years ago, because mm-hmm. it was just, I didn't get chance that much, and I just somehow made it to the end game. And when it comes to end game iron or any end game account, people kind of has have rose tinted glasses when it comes to like being an end game character. But the sad reality is that it kind of sucks. And there isn't that much to do that isn't just outrageously repetitive and boring. Yeah. I find it a lot more fun having like goals to work to in the short and the medium term. Mm -hmm. And if you're in that ultra late game state, everything you do is just weeks and months, not these things you're checking off day to day. Oh, yeah. So it's not like I I was kind of excited to be able to get into the early game again. And that, uh, that gave me a forced opportunity to do so. Yeah. I had that hardcore account, I think, was largely responsible for a degree of success that I had in the beginning because people wanted to see that character, even if they didn't really want to see me per se, yeah. they wanted to see the character progress. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm a, I'm a hardcore streamer. This is just going to be the, the remake Andy. Yep. And thankfully I haven't made that many accounts. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not quite to the Alfie tier yet. I'm on like <laughs> five or six. Yeah. I had, uh, that death was tragic, tragic, obviously. But since then I've had a number of DC deaths and deaths that are like a little bit less than cool. Yeah. To where I'm still yet to have a death on hardcore where I'm like, okay, that's, that's just my own fault. I suck. But yeah, once I have a death like that, I think I'd be a little more inclined to like play a main for a while, do combat achievements. But until then I'm always going to feel like there's something left on the table. Yeah. It always is very exciting or not exciting. It's um, refreshing to see a hardcore die to their own mistake. Just straight out. It's just like, all right, there's the closure, you know, like you. And of course it was my mistake. I looked away. It just, but that wasn't, yeah, but that's not really a mistake. That's just like, I mean, that I don't know, but I don't find that the same thing. I know what like, you mean, yeah, because yeah. I feel the same way. Dying when you're fully focused on your client is... Yeah, and it, that's, and no that's, DC. that's the dream that's, for a hardcore, yeah. is to be focused and attentive and just die. Yep, just get fucked over. And uh, <clears throat> it is really nice to see those. I'm trying to think. There was one just recently at Gauntlet. I can't even remember the person. Um, But yeah, some guy just died to Gauntlet, and I was like, oh, well, mm-hmm. shit. It wasn't well, like, oh, the, I thought I clicked something else. It just died. A lot of those deaths are from people who kind of risk it for the biscuit. 
Yeah. And if you play hardcore for long enough, you kind of learn not to play in that sort of way. You can't. You, you, need, you need to value the account and its longevity over like getting one Hunlift kill. It's yeah. like it doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme. And I'm, I'm sure we'll segue into Gauntlet at some point. Let's just do it right now because uh, I was talking to Sekon, who was uh, one of the alumnus of the uh, Sebe cast, and um, he was saying he did one tier three run at Gauntlet. And he said that you're a sociopath for doing over 900 of those. <laughs> well, I mean, at this point, it's been like 1,400 across the character. Oh, my and God. Osiris actually just hit the big 2K across all of his hardcores. Jesus. So shout out to him. But he doesn't do tier three. He does tier two. Yeah. Who Was it you that was saying um, tier two wouldn't, like, tier two is, like, pointless to have, basically. You might as well just go for tier one at that point. Or something uh, was saying, mentioning something about like there's no real benefit to tier two. You might as well just get tier three at that point. I have a I have an anti tier two case for hardcores. Mm. I have very many thoughts on this subject, as I'm sure you could expect. But I think um, so. The fact of the matter is, if we just break it down, maybe for those who are a little less familiar, there's tiers of armor within the corrupted gauntlet that basically that lower all source damage within like the Hunliff room, like say the tornadoes, the floor, the Hunliff himself with his auto attacks, both on or off prayer. Those are given a range that is dependent on the armor you're wearing with the lowest common denominator. So like if I'm wearing, I could be wearing a tier three top and bottom, but if my helm is tier two, then I'm in tier two. I still get the defense and the accuracy of the tier three pieces, but I still get like the hits will roll as though I'm wearing in tier three, the amount of damage that you can take, like in any given game tick or sequence of ticks, is forgiving enough to where if you are attentive and like ready to get out, you're probably not going to die. And given the length of what a modern gauntlet grind is, like 800 CG, it is of my firm opinion that it is in your best interest to learn how to do tier th- on a hardcore. Yeah. Anybody else, I think, should do tier one or at least learn to do tier one. Mm hmm. I'm kind of curious. What did you think about those changes um, where they made tier three armor actually viable or not? I mean, I can't even say it's, vi- I mean, it clearly is viable. People do it, but it's like, I would mm-hmm. never fucking do it. But um, So originally yeah. tier three, I believe I didn't do gauntlet during that era. I did regular gauntlet on my original hardcore. I never did CG, mm-hmm. but I believe so in the current era to get tier three armor, you need a whole bunch of shards and 13 of every resource, yep. like the linum, the bark, or before that update, I think it was 17 of each resource, which means you would have to find like an additional resource plot for each of those things. Yeah. Which isn't to say that that isn't possible because it definitely is, but it's not feasible to do over and over and over with the kind of success rates that people can do now with tier. Yeah. So before that, like in the, the sacred trial days, I think Bodhi got his gauntlet rush to there in that era of 17. So like it was only realistic to do tier two as a hardcore, which if you mess up has still a very good chance of killing. you. Yeah. Interesting. And when I, so it's kind of funny. I never meant to be like this gauntlet guy, that, <laughs> which I would say is the boss that I'm definitely most known for. Cause yeah. that was a very, uh, at the time that I was doing that to 930 kills on my first hardcore to do it, that was all but unheard of before that solo shout out to him. One of the best hardcores ever had done, I think about 400 or so KC in tier two okay. without dying. I think he maybe had been chance like once, 
Osiris has been rushing CG since long before it was cool. So in terms of the meta, that goes entirely to him. And Osiris, he'll tell you different, but Osiris keeps the good guide to himself. Anything you see from him is a little bit outdated, <laughs> just so he can stay ahead of the pack. That's so funny. That guy is a Iron Man legend and original gangster. Osiris, he is. He was one of the first people to max an Iron Man, right? I want to say he was like top he five did, yeah. or something. Him and Oispa were like the original two behemoths of the game mode. Yeah, or no? I mean, just I'm just talking Iron Man, even. Um, oh yeah. For Osiris, I think he was like top five or top ten to max and a normal iron, and then you know he's just always been around. Um, yeah, Oispa, Oispa was insane. Oispa was an anomaly. He he had more boss progression than almost anybody, and he had like five hundred million XP Jesus. inside of like a year. It was it was insane. There was a guy called um, shit. He's a guy that's completed master combat achievements on as hardcore, and he's like, foot? Yes, praise foot. That's it. That guy is. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Somebody brought him up in my stream, and um, I think he has probably the best hardcore. I don't know. Like, I know that's very uh, hard to distinguish, especially when exact is put up onto the plate. Like, yeah. But, I mean, I don't think there's really any competing with exact, but it's hard to compare apples to oranges. I think exact. I mean, exact clearly is the better player doing a 40 combat inferno it just makes you like you know yeah that that to me is an unrivaled runescape (laughs) achievement and probably always will be so i'm not trying to but i'm just trying to think okay let's just say if the person playing the account that exact has was praise foot in real life and exact was the guy that was playing as praise foot like i don't know like just trying to get rid of that variable of who's actually playing the account I honestly would think Praisefoot has the best hardcore, but again, that's just me mm. comparing the accounts I know of. Um, I would yeah. even put Combat it above. Combat definitely stirred the pot in the hardcore meta yes. in terms of like who's better and who has accomplished more. Yeah, and I think Exact. I mean, I would love to just say Exact is he has he, he's put himself at more, um, uh, like he has more restrictions, but it also is more impressive the feats he's done, like fully completed Tob, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, that's fucking unreal. Does he have all the kits too? I don't know. Okay. Dude, I said this I before. Think, I think the last thing he has to get is just the 2K cape, which he's not far off. Yeah, that's unreal. Isn't he the only hardcore that even has done 50 hard modes or has like one other done it? <laughs> I know he was for the longest time. I haven't checked in a long time. Yeah. Exact is what... Okay, how did I, how did I put this? I put this a few months ago, like... um in my stream, I was saying exact is what we wanted Wooks to have been, basically. Like, yeah. when Wooks died to a blue dragon, it was over, you know? And again, w- Wooks is Wooks really... Is just, he's too cool for school. He, he doesn't yeah. play the game much. Yeah. I just really wish that Wooks had just gotten obsessed and really took it seriously. You know? Yeah, I will always be of the opinion that Wooks' hardcore blue dragon death was staged. <laughs> I think that, too. I think he just didn't want to play. Yeah. When have you ever seen him act that way, ever, on stream? Yeah. So funny. In his mind, he's like, I gotta come out with some way to just end this so I can just And just happen to look life. back at his screen right after he died. Yeah. You saw the Defy J death, right? Oh, of course I did. <laughs> yeah. That looked weird. Game over. That looked I mean clearly it's not staged. You're clearly. not fooling anybody, Defy. 
but like, right before the golden gnomes yeah. <laughs> it's just weird though because it totally looks like it's just totally fake like you just sit yeah there it looks pretty fake but i mean no no one would do that i know yeah what do you think about bodie's his uh corp his corp cave click or whatever he did do you think that was Bodie? <laughs> i mean Bodie and i are very similar in that we're still just kind of chasing the dragon and just keep getting fucked every time <laughs> that we get almost there yeah. And I feel so bad for him. Bodie's a, a good friend of mine. I was, I was actually Bodie's most watched streamer in 2020. Wow. An accolade I always wear proudly. But <laughs> he he just keeps getting to these perfect stages in the game, which from a content creation standpoint are so desirable. Yep. Like you get to the stage where you're just bossing, bossing, and bossing, and everybody wants to see it. And then he just dies to some bullshit every single time. So depressing. Not that he's like hurting for money or for viewership, but still, yeah. I mean, you compare yourself to yourself. Yeah, and where you've been before. Yeah, that uh, I think it was Sire he DC'd, and he tried to like kind of play it off for a day that you know he's still a hardcore yeah. unofficially. Just like nah, it just doesn't hit the same. He he cares a lot about high scores and like yeah, at least having the ability to chase rank ones and stuff, exactly. which in the current era is a is a massive task with people out there just solidifying these gargantuan rank ones. I thought for the longest time no one would pass my. Uh, my 930 cg but and no one really wanted to which yeah. is you only go that far if you get dry yeah shout out wade as well i don't know if you know wade wade I've, is one of the top yeah. hardcores out there yeah i've i've heard of him is he has he passed you like an Oklahoma oh yeah season? he's one of the one of the best hardcores period all of his kcs are super super up there damn yeah but yeah i think i did i failed to mention this but during cg so i never wanted to be like a cg grinder i remember i was going for I was trying to do a tier 75 melee weapon rush, which originally started with me going for the rapier. And then I did, I think about 400 TOB and obviously I did not get the rapier. And then I end up doing song of the elves when it comes out and all that. And then I get into one CG for the Cape. That's how it always starts. Yep. And I think at the time you needed 10 to be ranked on the high scores. Now it's five, but you needed 10. So I did that in tier two armor because that's all anybody did back then. Mm -hmm. And then after those 10, and I had done maybe like 150 regular gauntlets prior to this. So like I wasn't new to the content per se, Yeah, but I did these 10 after some practice. And then I was like, you know, this is kind of fun. And I just go on to like, I think I went to about 25 at which time a dude by the name of Shaz enters my chat. And he's like, why aren't you doing tier three, bro? And I'm like, that's not fucking possible. What are you talking about? he's like, yeah, it is. I've done it. And then he, I'm like, bullshit. And then he shows me a screenshot with him in tier three armor with like a minute to spare. And I'm like, holy crap. And albeit he did this with like five to one method. So oh, okay. he wasn't just killed getting one boss. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, maybe this is possible. So that night, that very same night, I like I signed into my main and I start kind of mulling around, seeing if maybe it's something I could do. And I'm like, wow, this actually is kind of possible. My success rate wasn't great, but. I had a number of runs where I could actually get tier three with two tier three weapons, not an Albert though, because that's too deep. Yeah. And then, so I just start, um, I just start streaming that I start doing tier three on the hardcore. Cause I know that it's something I'm probably not going to die doing. And at the time, cause this is like shortly after the sacred trial Bodhi death, people kind of just assumed that no one was going to be able to pull off an indefinite number of CG kills without dying to something silly. Yeah. But with my limited sample size, I was like, well, if I can do this, 
it's it's not going to change. Like if I do however many more, it's not ever going to be different. I've I've kind of figured this out. And then people were still skeptical of that at the time, but I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And I was like, I'm not going to die doing this. It became so, so comfortable for me, this content that was like the absolute hardcore brick wall, like no one's doing yeah. this. And then I was just doing it with ease and everybody was tuning in like, what the fuck? How do I do this too? Yeah. And that's kind of when the CG, it's not when the meta emerged, but it's when the, the meta kind of boomed with people realizing they could do this in a relatively safe sort of way. Yeah, it was crazy. I just felt like before you had done 900, it always just felt like there was three hardcores that had ever even done 10. And it yeah, was basically it was, just a flex. It wasn't actually it, it was mystical that Solo had done like 400. Oh, yeah. That was insane. Didn't uh, I know um, Osiris must have been at like 100 or something. I know yeah, he, I got, just he got pretty spooned every time. So he, yeah. he never made it past <laughs> 200, except for his current account. Speaking of spoons, I have to say I felt bad for you at TOB. You had all these other hardcore streams. You had Sick Nerd. You had Mutz just pulling six of seven yeah. at TOB, and here you are with <laughs> just fuck all. <laughs> I've never had the best luck at TOB, but I mean, I haven't had the worst luck either. I um, I felt bad personally because I went nine hundred and fifteen dry of a weapon there. Oh, so it was absolutely miserable for me. But nobody gives a fuck because I wasn't a hardcore. But if I was a hardcore, that went nineteen nine hundred fifteen dry. Jesus. Well, it's it's not the act of doing TOB that is the troubling thing. It's the fact that you can only do it on stream as a hardcore content creator. That's true. You're trying to value your career. That's true. And you can only do it with people that you trust for these hardcore runs. Yep. So some days you just couldn't do it at all because there was no one to do it with. Yeah. And if this is your primary content, it's like, what do I do today? This is This is my job and I have nothing to do. Yeah. So just getting past the roadblock of being so dependent on other people for your main content is very big, which is why CG is nice because it's just all solo. Yeah, I got to say solo. Th when you're a content creator, doing things solo is so nice. I hate it. I hated doing TOB. on I mean, it made sense because I just was still using a normal whip, killing it for 900 ones in a row. But like uh, just getting teams and stuff is just a hassle. So... Um, that's the same kind of thing I'm dealing with right now at Next. Like Next now, oh, yeah. the meta is to have like a super small team. I, I like doing trios or duos now, and it's just like mm -hmm. if you don't have your people on, it's kind of hard to stream. I only did the the day one clusterfuck at Next, and then I kind of noped out of there afterward. Dude. I tend to only really get into content big time when I'm ready to camp it on a hardcore. Yeah, I uh, I did Next day one. I have never been lucky at release bosses. No, I got Vams and an eighty man. On day one, I could not believe oh, yeah. my eyes. Yeah, got the little uh, Zarai van braces. So, I got uh, I got an Eternal and a Primordial Crystal on my main on day one of Serb, but they were pretty much the same price. They are now. Mm. Yeah, it's it's always exciting when a new piece of content comes out just to like test your luck. You know, just like yeah, maybe you, you got to give it at least one day to yeah. see if you get lucky. Okay, um, this is kind of off-topic. I see it on Twitter. Favorite and least favorite Lord of the Rings character? Ooh. I'm, a, I'm assuming you're a fan of Lord of the Rings, I hope. Oh, for sure. Okay, Not like a super, super fan, but yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. one of my favorite uh, universes, you would say. Mm -hmm. Least favorite? Uh, I mean, I hate every scene with Gollum, to be honest. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> I've just been thinking about it. I'm like, it's just so tiresome. Yeah. Favorite would probably be Aragorn or Samwise, which are very generic. Or no, Faramir, of course. Faramir okay. of Gondor, a man okay. of quality. I would say 
Faramir is probably my favorite and okay. very paramount to the main story as well. Yeah, I'm trying to think of I will I'll be honest. I think I like I know Smeagol and Gollum are like the same people, but like Yeah. I think the Smeagol I I I hate seeing when Frodo and Sam get Gollum and their fucking team again and they're just wandering. I'm like, dude, dude this dude is not trustworthy. Just kill him. But like yeah, at the I mean, same time, you've seen every movie and you're, you're <laughs> watching back, like, you know, what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But I really do like the Smeagol scene where he, you know, as dark as it is, murders his friend, you know, for this ring, which is just, yeah, I think that's just like so impactful. And I can't, say he's my least favorite character because he just brings so much to like the lore of the ring and stuff. But um I would I have mean, he he is technically responsible for what happens in the end because nobody no one technically possesses the will to destroy the ring within Mount Doom and it only happens by accident. So I mean he is paramount to what happens. Is that really how it goes? In a roundabout sort of way. I'm a big fan of Lord of the Rings, but again I'm not a super like as you said, like super nerd about it. Is that actually the case? Like, could it have not been destroyed unless somebody did have like ownership of it? Like as they like melted in the lava. With yeah, it? pretty much. No, no one possessed the strength of will like that's to insane. directly destroy the ring in its, in its area of highest power. Like that's so cool that that's the case. Yeah. And the thing is the, the reason they're able to, to pull that whole scheme off to, to not get too into it is because Sauron as, as the big bad guy, cannot conceive that anybody would want to destroy the ring. He was of the assumption that mm. if anybody got their hands on it, they would just try to wield its power against him yeah. as opposed to just trying to get rid of it entirely. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to even just answer my own question now of like who's the least in my favorite. I think my least favorite is probably Bilbo. As much because as he has... Scary face scene. That terror, dude. That scarred me as a kid. I must have Every been like six or something. <laughs> yeah, that scarred me forever. But uh, I, he has similar qualities to Smeagol, but he's just like more arrogant, and I just I don't really like him. Whenever I see a Bilbo scene, I'm like, eh. It just seems like yeah, they're so weak. There's not too many of them. Yeah, there isn't. I'd say my favorites probably. Uh, I don't know, probably Aragorn, just because he's just a badass. Yeah, I mean, he has real, he has no non-redeeming qualities. He's pretty perfect in every sense. Yeah, which I generally which kind of how Kind of how Tolkien wrote his characters. He was pretty black and white. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Did you ever watch Game of Thrones? I have seen every season of Game of Thrones. Never read any of the books, though. Yeah, I've never read it, but uh, I, I hate Jon Snow. I think he's too perfect of a character. And, like, George R. R. Martin did a really great job of making everyone kind of gray. But for yeah, some reason, Jon Snow just never had an opportunity to, like, choose. Like, it, everything was just perfect for him, you know? And then when he finally did, the writing was in shambles. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that kind of bothers me. But I, I generally don't like those characters. I don't like Jon Snow. I should not like Aragorn, but he's just so cool. that it's just like, oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the, the more of the Tolkien style than the, than the Martin style. Absolutely. I kind of like I like more of the the black and white, good and bad, very much in line because he he originally wrote it to be kind of like a a modern mythology for yeah. the English people, and mythology tends to be more black and white. Interesting, but like, yeah, no, I guess you're right. I I guess everyone has a little bit of gray when I think about it, but like, it really is just black and white. Like, if a guy's good yeah. or bad, and it's easy when you create these villains that are just so purely bad. Yeah. 
Interesting. I was going to... I think Game of Thrones could have been more of my favorite, but I always wanted Littlefinger to just play. I wanted him to just have played everyone basically just like that was the that was the Bodhi theory actually that's that's the ending he was hoping for that's what every i mean i feel like anybody that was truly passionate about it wanted that to be the case like i was watching fan theories before like season six had even come out at that point or maybe season six had come out but we were watching these fan theories i'm like dude if little finger has everyone wrapped around his finger and they don't know it and we don't know it that's gonna be so badass and then he ends up being on the iron throne i thought that was just the 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 perfect way and i just pissed me off that like these stark yeah. girls were just so good at everything i'm just like this is so fake like i hate my this. left field prediction was that the hound was going to end up sitting on the throne just as the only character remaining of that would have been blood. so cool too but they just made it so basic it pisses me off yeah. to know I, I had no basis for that theory it was just like if this happens you're yeah. gonna think i'm so smart yeah <laughs> <laughs> you might as well, you know, might as well just call it. I always like to give a left field prediction like that. Yeah. Now, if Littlefinger had just been there from the very beginning, he ended up sitting on it and just, that would have been so sick. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Cookies asks, will Roydy ever get Natalie a cat friend? <laughs> and she spells it the very Dutch way as well. Yeah. Natalie doesn't have an H in her. I was gonna say, like, does she know that her name is spelled with an H? Or yeah, no, but like probably half the people that come to my chat spell it that way because I think that's just kind of a European spelling. Yeah, of the name. must be but, interesting. I mean, the way it's at right now, like she, she's about a year and a half old now, which means she's not even fully an adult yet. So she's still like kind of a handful sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I, she just got out of that kitten stage where, like, she's just such – you have to be so attentive with them when they're young. Like, you expect a cat to be pretty – a cat to kind of take care of itself. But when they're a kitten, that's not really the case. Yeah. And so I'm not, like, super keen to get right back into that with, like, another cat. If I were to adopt one, it would probably be a little on the older side. But mm. if someone were to, like, come to my door and be like, here's this kitten, I would 100% say yes. <laughs> I'm not going to go out of my way to, like, get another. Yeah, there will for sure come a time in her life where she has a sibling like that. I just don't know. It's going to. Yeah, I feel a little bad, like when I have to sit streaming all day and she just she's like, why is this asshole just talking (laughs) to the computer all day instead of petting me? I feel bad. She's got no one to play with or give direct attention to her. But Mm, yeah, that being said, she is spoiled in the sense that I'm at home 24 seven. Interesting. A lot of cats don't have that. And they do kind of just mind their business. See, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, like, cats just mind their own business. I didn't think it was a big big deal to have a friend. The older they are, the more self-sufficient they okay. are. Okay. I wish I wasn't allergic to cats. I'm really allergic. Like, my throat will swell up and stuff if I'm, like... if I, Like, when I was a kid, I rubbed a cat in my face because I didn't know I was allergic. I just thought they were so adorable and cute. And then I went over to my friend's house to sleep over at later that evening. And I couldn't fucking breathe, and I was trying to sleep. Yeah. And, like, you know where you're so intimidated by your friend's parents? You just don't want to ask them for anything? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just sitting there dying, and I'm like, okay, last resort is I go and knock on my friend's parents' bedroom and, like, ask them to call a, call an ambulance. Like, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's a few hypoallergenic breeds, but none of them are, like, peak cuteness in my by my standards. Yeah, that's fair. There's... She's 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 half Siamese, and I believe Siamese are hypoallergenic. Yeah, she she herself is not. She sheds quite a bit. Okay, 
I think cats are adorable, though. They're just so cute. Yeah, I'm not like this crazy cat guy. I've had dogs, and I'm not like I'm not like all in on having 25 cats. People just kind of assume that. Yeah, I think I just like. I would like. I'm a little bit allergic to dogs, but I think I just prefer a cat over a dog anyway, simply because they're independent. Later depends on one's lifestyle. Absolutely, that's why I I would never get a dog until I have at least the beginning of a family and more than just me to look after that dog. Yeah, I think that's very irresponsible pet ownership if you want to just have this cuddly thing, but you can't devote the time to it. Yeah, and dogs need your attention. That's fair. Okay, uh, let's see. Rise or Rise, I, I think it's Rise. He asks, did you ever play a main account? What are your thoughts of main accounts? Much love to you both. I did before Iron Man was a thing. Like when I made my old school character was a main just because that's all there was to do. And I was very much like everybody else in that when Iron Man came out, I made my first Iron Man as a hardcore when that came out. So mm-hmm. like that was what a year or two afterward. Yeah, but I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to have the sunken cost of all the time I've put into this main account. I don't want to make an Iron Man yet. Yeah, and obviously, once you start, you never go back. Most people never go back. But yeah. I did play the main for those like two or three years, whatever it was. And I would say now, with combat achievements being a thing, I would say there's a distinct possibility that someday I would play a main for like maybe a couple thousand hours to kind of check those boxes and get the BIS gear in case some new content comes out and I want to do it. Cause yeah. like with Nex, I was rolling in there with like a DHCB cause I didn't have an ACB yeah. and no Tebow. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> maybe I could have this be a little less clunky in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I think always good to have a character to practice things on. If you're going to be a, a perpetual hardcore player. Definitely. I was going to say there's a lot of streamers that will start playing a hardcore and it's their first account or basically their first account. Like they've, gotten to like 1300 total on a main or something but it's like i mean i think oispa was that way i think he i think he learned tob on hardcore that's insane to me to yeah that's insane because i i started off this account as a hardcore um and i honestly i just decided to myself i was never going to do anything that was pvm related i was just going to be a skiller because like Mm -hmm. i didn't know how to do anything and i wasn't ever going to I wasn't going to, like, train up a main account to, like, practice. I was like, eh. But I died to uh, DC, and then it just kind of freed me from that, which... Uh, and I wasn't a streamer at the time. I feel like that would have been really tough to mm-hmm. die on your first hardcore as already a streamer, because then it's like, uh shit. Yeah, because there's always the consideration of what people expect to see. Exactly. It's always, as like any as any artist or creator, it's it's good to be able to go in your your own direction but not necessarily at the cost of alienating everybody who's supported you thus far. Yeah. I want to ask, this is a little bit off topic, I guess, but I feel like because of Bodhi, hardcore is like a, at least even like, I would say about a year and a half ago, two years ago, was like at its peak of just hardcore was fucking awesome. There was so much like prestige involved, like, Cause you like I'd pop into a Bodhi stream and he's talking about like the top hardcores and you know who's up and coming and all this stuff and it was just really cool and that seemed to be what the community was really into at the time at least like the majority of the community was really into seeing these hardcores progress really far and then watching them die was always cool as well but um, yeah what do you think kind of brought that culture do you think it is because of the the bigger streamers that were kind of enticing it because 
definitely. I mean, hardcore is the most exciting thing to this day, and it came out in 2016, which is or 27, 2016, yeah, yeah, I think 2016. Yeah, that's uh, it's just crazy how it's still like that big and everything. So, what do you what do you have to say about the culture of Twitch and hardcores? I would say that it has. I think definitely the. I mean, you never want to say the peak is behind you because it just is dismissive of what might still be to come. Mm -hmm. But just by the nature of old school and it being kind of a pattern-based game, as people start to accrue this knowledge and just become better and better and better, all of these accolades start to have a little bit less weight to them. And if you do these things in an era where no one else knows how to do them, they seem like bigger accomplishments, like with my CG. Yeah. I kind of... um, I wouldn't it wasn't me who like broke the four minute mile with CG, so to speak, but it was after I did my big grind that people just knew how possible it was. And now CG, I mean, you look at the front page now compared to back when I was doing it, and it's a completely different landscape just because there's so many people who are willing to undergo that now with like hard mode TOB with Fosani's Nightmare, these things that are these big roadblocks, you just see people crushing it day in and day out. Mm-hmm. So to have these accounts that kind of separates from the pack so much is a lot harder to do. And there's just more people doing it too. And they aren't all content creators. So it's kind of, it's hard to keep track of who's who. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting to me that uh hardcore just still to this day is just so it's like, I don't know. So yeah, popular, I mean, with the way some bosses are designed in this game, if you can do it once, you can do it a thousand times that exactly the same way. Yep. And I am very, uh, my brain likes that type of thing a lot. I'm a big like patterns guy. <laughs> I'm good at recognizing and repeating patterns. Like I do all my clue slide puzzles with no rune light helper just because I find it fun. But I think Boston's the same way. Yeah. I was, you know what? I'm a little curious because you do slide puzzles by yourself. I need to ask. I feel like rune light has an algorithm that solves it faster than doing the generic, you know, solve the first two lines and then solve the next third line and then i mean i haven't studied it in depth but i do not think that the rune light algorithm is perfect it's not like a chess engine i think it it gets it done but not necessarily in the most optimal way i just remember os buddy didn't do it the most optimal way you would have a puzzle that was like 280 steps like it would literally tell you it's like 280 more i'm like bro rune lights like no more than 50 ever yeah, I mean, sometimes the puzzles are so poorly randomized that you, if you move like six times, it's yeah. done. It's <laughs> That's just, true. Like, everything just kind of falls into place. But I just my wondered, origin yeah. with slide puzzles specifically was obviously the one that everybody's got to do in Monkey Madness. And I was yeah. uh, when I was like ten or so, my older brother played for like a brief period of time, like a year or so. And I was doing Monkey Madness, and I was like, I cannot do this puzzle, man. I got to pay the two hundred k. And he's like, No, you don't. You're going to learn how to do this. And so, like, Tip It had that little slide puzzle helper at the time that kind of gave you the basics of how to get it done. Yeah. And then I just, I learned how to do that. And then ever since then, I've just known how to do them, and I like doing them. That's cool. I I mean, the hardest part with the slide puzzles is just memorizing the picture it, itself. Like, Oh, yeah. That, I, I always have to reference for, like, master clues because I haven't learned those ones. Yeah, that dark – I think it's the Theater of Blood entrance or whatever. It's it's like the Cerberus one and the Gnome Child. Yeah, that Theater of Blood one, though, it's like half the pieces look the exact same. It's just, like, <laughs> impossible to line them up unless you – yeah, the Zora one as well is very tough. I was having this – one of Zora's wings, like, on the opposite side because it just looked – I don't know. It looked like it fit, but it didn't. 
but yeah, in in general, I'm not the biggest I'm not the biggest plugin Andy myself. I like some plugins that you feel like should be a native part of the game are okay, but I don't like to just I don't like to have my hand held through absolutely everything. What do you think about Quest Helper? Quest Helper, I am a big fan of Quick Loop, <laughs> only because I have done every quest in game so many times. Okay, it's not fair. like I need to. Yeah. I don't feel the urge to like do it all again from scratch. Yeah. I'm just kind of going through the motions. See, I've never done Quest Helper because I've only been playing this account since it came out, and every new quest I just get it done like they have release. Yeah. So, I, but for I've someone's heard... like first account, I wouldn't necessarily recommend Quest Helper. But I mean, who am I to judge? Yeah. Who knows? Uh if that takes away from the game or not. I honestly am on, the, on with the opinion that plugins that are really broken, arguably Quest Helper and Clue plugin solvers, like they're basically at the point where it's like, eh, it's, I mean, is it really taking away anything from the game? Yeah, probably, but it's still Can't like, beat him, join him. yeah, but I think about, cause I asked this question. I was like, in a perfect ideal world where you really could just get rid of all clue plugin solvers and third party, again, that's impossible. You'd just go on the wiki or something. But like if you really yeah. had to just use the in tool game or uh the in in game items and stuff to solve the clue, like the sexton and shit like that. Um Yeah. I don't you feel like bring them. I don't feel like I would enjoy it as much, actually, which is strange to think because you would think that like doing it the proper way would be more fun and engaging, but Honestly, mm. I think I just have more fun just zooming. Maybe if it wasn't such a huge opportunity cost to go and do a clue in a slow, rigorous sort of way. Yeah. I th- yeah, maybe it's also my mindset where it's like, I would love to get third age pieces, but third age is so like long term that yeah. if you were to just sit down and just do your clues properly, it would just take so much longer. Like, you just I've never had a piece them. myself yet. Even from RS2 when I would camp uh, jellies in the Fremenic Slayer Cave trying to get hard clues to pull a third age piece back when they were like party hat prices. And that was just this huge payday. You do your clues. You do your clues, though. So you will get one inevitably. And it is the best feeling of all time. Eventually. It's going to be like Vams or something. (laughs) Probably. But it's such a good feeling. I I mean, I got the kite shield. So that's like pretty uh, unfair to say. One of the cooler looking pieces. The helm and the kite. Oh, yeah. But it is definitely something different. No, no other feeling in the game's quite as, uh, I don't know, good, in my opinion. Yeah, I actually, even on my current group account, was the only time I've ever had a 1 in 32K with a Hellhound Smoldering Stone. Wow. I'm a, I'm a little upset because I've never had a <laughs> Dusty D chain, despite Lifetime having killed probably at least 50,000 Dust Devils. Yeah. That's just the one thing, because I had a buddy get one of those back when they were like 25 mil, and I was always so jealous. Yeah, there was a video, like, I must have watched it back in 2015 or something. Some old video of this girl, uh, like this YouTuber, she got a dragon full helm from the Mithril Dragon itself, 132k, and I'm like, oh, that was back when the game was just... It was so much more mysterious to me at that time. I just I didn't know about bosses and stuff. Mithril Dragon just seemed like super end game, and I was like, "That is so sick!" Like, oh. yeah, the age of information does definitely take some of the wind out of the sails of fun when it comes to things like that. Yeah. Okay. I actually now have a tangent to go on regarding that. So, are you a bigger fan of, let's just say, Next, for example? They tried their very best to hide mechanics. They got rid of monster exam. They got rid of, like, they're not showing drop rates. Are you a person that enjoys that? Or would you prefer everything to just be, like, 
don't know, transparent, like what the drop rates are, everything, like how you get the drops and everything? I'd say it's hard to say because I don't like for everything to be so clear cut right off the bat. I mean, it's, it's fun to kind of forge a meta yeah. over time, but I don't know. I mean, like that said, you don't want to just be fumbling around wasting your time for so long before people figure yeah. it out either. Like, I think it's now what, like, um, even done what we perceive as being optimally right now. It's what, like 600 brews per item or something? Something crazy, Some, lofty like that? I think it's even more than that. I mean, probably. I don't know. It's a lot, though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like to do day one content. I did Nightmare Day 1. I did Next Day 1 and stuff like that. But I wouldn't say I have a very good answer for that question, honestly. I could see both sides of the argument. Yeah. Tends to be how I am for everything. Is annoyingly centrist when it comes to everything because I'm I'm good at seeing perspective. That's good. Yeah, I I mean I agree with you. At the same time, I I think both are pretty good to have in balance. Maybe just have mystery for a month. No, no more than a month in my opinion. But uh... there's also there's like a little bit of guilt if you think you're doing something in a less than optimal way. Yeah. And I like... I kind of like the feeling of just having fun exploring the meta. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. At the end of the day, it is a video game that we play, and some people seem to forget that. Oh, yeah, I forget that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I'm getting mod IEs on next week, and uh, I know he got flamed on Reddit last week for uh, just kind of, like, hiding what they had yeah. changed and stuff. So it's kind of funny. Anytime you subject yourself to that community. <laughs> Would you want to be a J mod? Like, oh no, <laughs> yeah, it just sounds awful. Like, that's why it's fun to be a bigger content creator. So you you get that voice, but you don't get all the heat that yeah. they get for implementing things. Absolutely, I think it's great. That said, they don't listen to a fucking thing I say. <laughs> like, I, it was a couple of dead mans ago. I was like, hey. Don't make this two months long. <laughs> and they're like, fuck you, bro. And then it comes out and everyone's like, why was this not three weeks at most? Well, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I will say the Sebei cast has gotten a little bit of attention from the J-Mods. And uh, so if you have anything to just share now that you want J-Mods to do, say it now. But No, I mean, I have my <laughs> channels to reach out to <laughs> whoever I want to reach out to. I just, I don't usually do that. Yeah, I'm totally kidding. But I will say the Lightbearer ring that's coming out from Raids 3. They stole from me. I, really? I literally come. I literally came out with the Ring of Specials. That's what it was called, and it was going to rejuvenate your spec twice as fast. And the two tick wand, although they did make a little difference uh, or a little uh, thing where like it changes from two 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 to four ticks. I remember back in 2016, I was an avid foe watcher. He was like, "What if we had Iron Man, but you only had one life?" And then, like, a week later, just, like, <laughs> hardcore. <laughs> Here you go. That's so funny. Okay. I need to ask you. I've asked this before, but what would you think of a main account with one life? That, I guess it would depend on what happens when that life goes away. It would just mean you just lose it and you just become a normal main account. It wouldn't be anything crazy, but it would at least show that you've never died. Mm-hmm. Like is that I don't know because then then you start to, you start to get into the realm of titles like you know RS three or other MMOs where you just kind of have that as an addition to your name like this person's a survivor and they yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, I mean, think, but in the current landscape until they get some kind of um, intervention for disconnections I just don't think it's feasible 
my idea has always been, and I would think that this system already exists, like with the X-Log system, I would like something to where if you, on your end, are not pinging the server for X time as like an opt-in, it will just take your character out of the game. Obviously not in PvP, but yeah. if the server's not getting anything from me for like eight game cycles, just take me the fuck out. So that so seems I don't simple to... too. Is there anything that's like actually inherently hard to implement? I, I know nothing about code. I know me nothing neither. about the engine, but still. Yeah. Um, what do you think about those tellies? Those like uh, tellies where another I, player I didn't can vote have in it. that poll. Actually, I did not. Well, I think I voted in the original TOB poll just because mm-hmm. that's something people have been asking for for a while. But this recent group iron poll, as for like telling out of chambers and stuff, I did not vote in that just because I didn't have a strong enough opinion. I'm happy to play the game in any case. Okay. Do you have any sort of opinion on it? Like, or are you pretty much as completely unbiased toward either? I don't see much of a case against it, honestly. I think there should, there should be, if there's nothing you can say against it, then just why not have it? Like what's, what's so wrong about having the ability to escape a DC or if your buddy disconnects or something? Yeah, I think it's uh I think the only thing that's a little annoying about it is that you would have to have a friend or you'd have to have another account logged in that's on a different, you know, Wi Fi mm-hmm. or whatever. Just like at all times, basically, or else you're gonna look dumb that you didn't save yourself like, oh, that's on you. It's just kind of annoying, it becomes a nuisance at that point. But at the same time, I think it's pretty cool that there's the ability for somebody else to tell you out. Yeah, I could. One could make the argument though against. I don't know if they're going to lump this in with the others against the Inferno Telly though, because it would seriously devalue those who did it without that luxury. See, I don't know. I, uh, but I mean, okay. Well, how many people have even done the Inferno in a group? Actually, probably a lot now. Probably like five, <laughs> and then the number of people who ever will is probably a couple dozen. Yeah, but I'm just thinking like. I don't even think, because I'm thinking like you know, Exact has done it, Lake's done it. I don't think Lake would be bothered if somebody came on the Telly because like. I don't know. I, I mean, personally... If you're streaming yourself doing it and people know you don't have a telly, then... Yeah, you got your credit, it. basically. Um, no, I don't know. I think uh, I think even a telly crystal out... Because it would also be another inventory spot to have as a hardcore, but... True. Just, yeah. just your own telly crystal, I think, is totally fair. Because, like, it's very hard when you're panicking and you're at Zook. You don't want to telly out at Zook. Like, you want to get the kill. You don't want to go back to that point. So I feel like people would still be greedy, even when they know they're about to, like, just not click it in time or something. But that's yeah, my those with, those with a lot of Inferno experience probably have a different opinion. Like, I, I have done very many Infernos at this point. I trust yeah. myself. And I'm sure anybody who would try a hardcore group Inferno knows damn well that they can get that cape mm-hmm. in any sort of circumstance. But, I mean you do sometimes just get railed by some wave. Like one time I had a, I had a wave 63 one time that was just so impossibly bad that even Lake came into my stream <laughs> and it was like, usually when people say, oh, it was the spawn that killed me. You can say that about this time because <laughs> that was the worst <laughs> spawn possible. I only had like one pillar and uh, I got what was basically an inescapable spawn to where I just had to get fucked up. Jeez. And if that happens and you have no means of escape, yeah, it's you... awful. Yeah, I think uh, if I was a hardcore and I lost a pillar, like that south pillar, ooh, and then I'm approaching those like hard waves, I th- yeah. if I didn't have a telly, I would probably just reset. Because as long as you have that south pillar, you can run behind it and then just log out or something. Yeah. I mean, if you trust yourself to be getting 
to Zuck every time, which any experienced Inferno player can always get to Zuck every time. Mm -hmm. If you trust yourself to do that, it's fine, but I mean... Yeah. Okay, so I am I am positive at this point, and I want to hear your opinion. I don't think any hardcore ever will get Grandmaster completion. That is my opinion, although Praisefoot is scaring me a little bit on that, just because he's mean, completed Master. I can see a universe where a hardcore ends up getting Grandmaster just through some means, and maybe maybe they come out with gear in the future that makes certain things relatively trivial that are now considered hard. Mm -hmm. But I think the most, the most big dick accomplishment would be a group hardcore master or grandmaster oh, that yeah. is an impossibility oh yeah that that's just you like do out chambers of the you do inferno all without <laughs> yeah. dying. that's out of the realms of possibility but i'm just even thinking on normal hardcore because oh well here let me let me think so what I mean, are the every, every individual task save for maybe like the five-man theater would be mm -hmm. very dangerous without phoenix necklace but yeah. every task you can break it down and see how one might do it. It's just a matter of doing all of them without something going exactly. wrong. Exactly, very hard. And I was, I was saying, uh, I think I was telling I'm a drum. This he, he was just like asking, like how he's trying to get in his his infernal cape and everything. But then I mentioned something about Grandmaster. I'm like, basically, as people that see Grandmaster as like super intimidating, just look at the hardest task and just think, okay, this is the only one I have to do. Like what's the absolute mm -hmm. hardest. If you could do that, then you can do every other one. I think that's like a good way to look at it. But yeah, I think that's why I'm, I'm kind of an advocate for the uh, more along the lines of like a league point system for group or if excuse me for combat achievements. I know not everybody feels that way, but like, yeah, if I'm doing this Grandmaster task, with ease, I should get some. I'm probably an easy tier PVMer, so like, don't make me do all of this shit in yeah. sequence just to prove that I am that way. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard for me to see. I, I don't know because you would still have to do everything if you wanted to achieve those upper tiers. But in terms of like knocking out the lower ones, you could kind of like. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, like if, if doing like a if I get like a no dig inferno with the snakes. Maybe that'll give me like a hundred points, and like maybe the whole easy tier is like two hundred total. I see, as I opposed see to just mean. getting like five, 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 five. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. I, I'm okay with uh, it being as it is now because I mean, easy through elite took me like four days on release. But then again, I already had the KCs for everything. But yeah, uh, I, th I think they did well though that people generally don't consider the combat achievements as like a metric for success for hardcore. Yeah. It's kind of just like if you want to do this, that's true. Um, I'm trying to think, like, what is the hardest one for a normal hardcore, not for a group hardcore? It must be the Hydra one, right? The Darok Hydra, stay under 10 HP. Like, that has to be the, just the most intimidating. If you keep your wits about you, I don't think so. I think that one's doable. I think it's more, <laughs> I think it's more like the large team TOB stuff, where if, if somebody fucks up, then you're just dead. Yeah, the TOBs are insanely, like, you have to get all of those done without losing a life. That's pretty insane, but... On top of that, I don't know, man. I went to the Hydra one thinking I was just a beast. I was going to go in there one and done it. It took me eight tries. And I, I, I had... this, no one's used to doing Hydra in that sort of way. So it's like <laughs> you're not accustomed to it. That's true, but I don't know, man. That shit is just terrible. Okay, you know what I want to ask? Is there even one hardcore that's done that task? Just that. I don't know. Because I don't Cause... even think there is. <laughs> 
Don't you technically just have to use the axe, not the armor itself? Yeah, but you definitely want full Darox, especially if you're a hardcore, or else you're sitting in there for 40 minutes. Like, yeah. that's what I've heard. So you would definitely grind out Darox. Um, but it's just the fact that you're in there for, like, I think with full Darox, it's about a three-minute kill, I think. Maybe it's longer. I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. Maybe five minutes, but, like... I, I think there is some sort of rhyme or reason to like the poison splat location. So I mean, if you keep your wits about you and you know it, like the back of your hand, yeah, you got to study that it. shit. That's true. Still terrifying though, just being ten HP, just one fuck up dead. I mean that that's all that hardcore is at the end of the day. Is none of these things are oh so hard. It's just a matter of not getting in your own head and panicking. Mm-hmm. I, I like to phrase it like this. I've always given the analogy of like. When you're in these tense situations, like if I'm if I'm walking down the side of the street on a sidewalk, my risk of just like falling off the sidewalk in front of a vehicle is zero. (laughs) But if you put that sidewalk a thousand feet in the air and I'm walking on it, I'm going to be pretty (laughs) tense about falling off the side. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, no, that's pretty true. I was just seeing it from like my Iron Man perspective where I didn't even care if I died, but I was still trying to get it done in one shot, and it still took yeah. me eight tries. Like, Jesus. Mathis ha- asks, what is your favorite aspect of streaming and why? He's got a few more questions, but uh, let's. Well, I guess let's cover the first one. Hmm. Wait, I would say... wait, 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 sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Is, isn't Mathis a, uh American? Like, I, I think... I think he's American. Why does he say favorite with a U? He's too in uh, he's too enveloped in the RuneScape spelling of stuff. He must. Yeah, be. I mean anybody who grew up with RuneScape is <laughs> yeah. a little bit wonky. Yeah. That's so funny. All right, continue. Uh, let's see. I would say the biggest thing for me, and it's kind of what got me into it originally, is just kind of having a platform. And I think anybody who's going to be streaming long term is got to be a little narcissistic <laughs> to where they they value what they have to say. Mm-hmm. But I remember, like, I remember just being a, a Twitch viewer in chats. And if I, like, someone would bring up a topic about, like, fitness or whatever, something I had a lot to say on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just going to write a 200-word essay in somebody's chat addressing somebody and make it all about yeah. me. And be, having my own stream is kind of a way for people to bring these things and for me to just speak in a longer form about, about them yeah. without feeling like encroaching on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is nice to have your own platform and people actually care and come and yeah. voice their it's not, own. Not to say that what I have to say on any subject is more valid than anybody else. It's just it's nice to be able to speak your piece. Yeah, it's really nice. And to have an audience for it is just really cool. I think about that with like my rambles. I make just rambles every week or two. Just talking. Like that's all I do. I just I just talk yeah. about something. And that is what I like. Like if I were to answer this question to myself or for myself just like my favorite aspect of streaming i would probably relate it back to my rambles and just say like i can just talk and then i get a couple hundred on my stream or a couple thousand views on my youtube and it's just really cool to just be able to say my piece no interruptions and then people will listen to it it's like it's just kind of nice mm-hmm. it's like ah oh, like, but it is also important to maintain the perspective and understand that anybody who's repeatedly gravitating towards your content is largely going to be of your same opinion on most things and not necessarily to take that as just this affirmation of everything you have to say. That's <laughs> just true. These people agree with you. That's true. Um, I'm a very like harsh self-critic. I feel like I, especially with my save casts, people like 
are like, oh, it's so cool you got these people on. But I'm like, dude, every I can't even listen to my own <laughs> my own voice on yeah, these things. I'm, I'm the like, same oh. way with my clips. Like if somebody links me one of my own clips, I'm like, can you not? <laughs> yeah, just look away. <laughs> and that's just that's part of being a content creator is you always want to be doing better. And it's it's the type of career where you can put in as little or as much time as you want and your metrics will reflect that to some degree. Yeah. Which is what also makes it a little stressful and it makes it uh, difficult for people, I think, who are prone to anxiety or depression. I am not some such person, but I know, like, you see it on Twitter all the time. People like, I got to take two, three, four weeks off because it gets to be overwhelming at times. Mm -hmm. You feel so responsible for your own livelihood. Yeah. And it's like one little thing you say could just like alienate 5% of your subscriber base. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a interesting point. I wanted to, well, here, I, I kind of lost it. I was thinking of something I was going to ask, but we'll just continue with Mathis when I think about it. Um, He asks, if you could choose any other career than content creation, what would it be? I And to just expand on this, I also had a little question for you toward the end. I'll just ask it now. Um, Like, if Twitch were to just be done or something, like, I don't know. It just wasn't a thing anymore tomorrow or something. Mm -hmm. I know that's so arbitrary because then some other platform would just take its place, it feels like. like, I don't know. What would you do? Well, uh... that is, is for that reason that I am thankful that I do have an area of expertise Mm -hmm. in, like, in fitness and nutrition and exercise and like that's easily a career i could segue into and even using using because that sounds like exploitation but with the viewer base that i've acquired like if i wanted to go in some some kind of like coaching slash like counseling nutrition service or whatever like there are people that already know me that would want to buy into that i could i wouldn't just go broke tomorrow (laughs) There would be some sort of revenue stream and there could be a career that I could I could shift into. And it would probably be that one. It would probably have to do what I'm an expert in. And I do consider myself an expert in that territory. Yeah, that's a really cool, that's like a comforting thought in a way. Because, I mean, there really is no true security with streaming, like the life. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear Bodhi talk about that a lot. He's someone I respect for that reason, is that he is willing at any point to pivot into another lifestyle. Yeah. Go in on his other hobbies because some people have only ever been a streamer and they don't know what the real world is like and they've never been to school and never had a job, even if it is like a shitty one. Mm-hmm. And just for that to go away, they would be so lost for what, to, especially in, in the current climate where it just seems like you have to have these huge accolades and education to have a job that anybody even wants to have. Mm-hmm. I will say though, streaming and doing YouTube, just doing anything online where you're making money, it definitely makes me a lot more uh, confident that if anything were to go wrong with streaming, I can like maneuver myself around the internet enough to like find yeah. some like money. Like, there's always money online somewhere, and like, I've never had, I've never had anxiety about that personally i'm always good i i I almost kind of like being in uncomfortable situations because i always thrive if i am like i'll figure something out yeah i'm i'm not to toot my own horn but i'm kind of from good stock in that sense like i come from a 
a pretty intelligent family. Everybody in my family is like smart or talented or creative in some sense. And I am like that in that anything I want to get into, I could do to at least an adept level. Yeah. It just is a matter of pivoting in that direction. Yeah. I think that's, uh, I think it's true. I mean, I don't know that you're a, you're a competent human. Like you would find a, like no matter what happened, you'd be fine unless you just got your yeah. face chopped off or so. I don't know. But like, yeah. You're fine. Um, and I think that's like the biggest thing is just having confidence in yourself. Like if anything were to go wrong, you'll be fine. Like, yeah, especially, I mean, I'm single right now and like, Oh yeah. If something happened, I mean, I'm not taking care of anybody. I, I have, if I went homeless, it wouldn't even be that big of a deal. It's just like, Oh, okay, well I'll just do something yeah, else yeah, now. Yeah, like, sure. So it is a great part and a reason that I value independence so much. And I think yes. not a lot or not, there's definitely a large share of people, but not enough people in this day and age are so comfortable with just being entirely by themselves and spending so much time getting to know themselves. And I think that's so important and not enough people do it. Do you think it, so just a, a put a counterpoint out there do you think it's essential in a way to also have um i don't know a significant other like do you think that's also healthy because i mean i would love to just say yeah i'm single i'm doing this for my own like you know introspection and stuff but like at the same time do you think it think it is beneficial to have a partner i mean you could see it from both ways some people i think enter these partnerships irresponsibly and they don't know what they're looking for and that, i don't think that's fair to either person you're just trying to use this codependency off another person to try to prop yourself up. I think people should have their own interests and that you should, you should be bringing something to the table. Like if you're, if you want to have someone interested in you, what do you have to offer them? Like, yeah. And that's another issue is people try to find someone who's just like themselves. Like, I don't want to spend all day with myself. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd rather have someone with maybe a little bit different opposing views or, Someone with different hobbies than me. Yeah. Someone someone to build me up. Because sure. I think there is a dichotomy to any relationship. And I think that dichotomy should benefit both parties. Yeah, that's a good point. You, uh, yeah, again, you're reminding me of my dad. Uh, I, I didn't want to mention it again, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's totally true, though. It's more of like a realist point of view. Just like, you know, what like what is actually being offered by either party and you know like yeah so i think that's a healthy and way by to that token it. it's the same reason i've never really uh i've never really settled for anybody in my own like personal relationships last love life is i'm not i'm not a big settler like if i'm gonna if i'm gonna commit to somebody and give them my being so to speak it's it has to be worth it for me i have to be able to see something long term yeah. And as such, I don't really like taking advantage of people either because I'm sure there's and there have been many people that wanted to have something with me. But I'm like, this is not going to go anywhere. So yeah. I'm not going to do that to you. I, I was going to ask, like, I wonder, am I the kind of person? Am I like you where like I don't want to settle or is it just my laziness? I have not. I've been living in Alabama for two and a half years now. I still live out of my suitcase. And I'm I'm not even ashamed. Oh, maybe I am a little ashamed to admit it at this point. But like, yeah. I I wonder if it's actually laziness or it's just like me just getting ready and up to leave like whenever I want. You know. Well, that, I think a lot of people laziness. in in this subject and in life in general, they wait for some event or occurrence to kind of get things in gear. Yeah. Without understanding, that's never going to happen. You you have to be a self starter to some extent. 
Yeah, that's so interesting. Like this podcast, I was I always have this thing, and it, it goes with fitness as well. I'm like, oh, in three months, it's always like three months ish. It's like, oh, in three months, I'll start getting healthier. In three months, I'll yeah. do this. But with the podcast, the same thing was happening. It was like, oh, in like a couple months, I'll start doing this podcast that I've been like kind of interested in doing. But it literally, it just took me to just okay, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna wait any longer. Let me just ask just my first guest, and let's just get it scheduled right now before. It's I... the same thing I tell anybody who asks me, "Hey, how do you get into streaming?" Is like, there's no good answer to that question. Go live. You just do it. Just <laughs> yeah. Go live, and you see what you see. What's what? Don't yeah. don't go in with these expectations because it's so easy to watch a streamer like Bodie or like Foe or Oda or whatever, mm-hmm. and they've got this constant interaction. There's always something to do. That's not how it's going to be if you go live with no audience and you need to understand that and yep. you're probably not going to make any money either. If you do it, Yep. you need to be doing it because it's something you want to do. And if the signs are showing that maybe it's sustainable, then maybe you can pursue it, but yeah. don't go in with like, I want this to be my career. And I will admit that's kind of something that I did because like I said, I'm a very extreme person. So like, yeah. if I'm going to do anything at all, I'm going to go big. Like I was doing See, I don't full time think... hours from the very beginning. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you're a single individual that has really nothing else to lose, like, I mean, oh, yeah, like clearly sure. you have things to lose, but it's like nothing really that detrimental will ever happen if things didn't work out and you spent a lot of time doing this thing. Yeah, my my life was so shit for so long in like my early 20s that like if I end up homeless, like it doesn't that's not matter. much worse than what I'm doing right now. So. <laughs> oh, well, I got to get a job. I'm not a drug addict or anything. I'll be totally fine. I think there's. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it was the same thing living at home. Um, I just remember living at home and like, you know, I I don't have to pay rent or anything, but I'm like, like, okay, when I first went home uh, after school, I was supposed to find a job because what I would do is I'd go to school and then it was out of state and then I'd go back home and work for like a semester or something. And one semester, I just wanted to play RuneScape. I didn't want to (laughs) work. And so like... My dad would just rail on me. He's like, you got to go get a job. And I'm like, all right. But like, you know, it's at the point where it's like, if I'm not forced to, because I'm living here rent free and I don't need a job, it's very, very hard to convince me to do something that I don't absolutely need to do. But if yeah, I had to pay to be more honest. along the lines of how I got my life together as well, my dad pretty much just said, like, get the fuck out if you're not going to be doing <laughs> yeah. anything. And I did. He had to do. <laughs> he would have independent from there. Yeah, he would have had to do that. But because I was going to go back to school, it wasn't ever like, oh, I'm here permanently. You need to fucking get out if you're not going to work a job. But I was only going to be there for like four months. I was like, I just don't want to work. I really don't. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I feel like it always comes down to like, do I absolutely have to? Because, like, my brother, apparently, my older brother, was talking to my dad around that time. And my dad was like, oh, Seder is so lazy. Like, he is just yeah. he's not doing anything. It's like, and my brother, like, straight up told him, he's like, because he doesn't need to. Like, he's living just fine. With- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. 
Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. About it, you know? And so that's kind of like the realest point of view. It's like, I don't need to do it. So like, why would I do it? Why would I go out of my way to just hate my life? The adaptability of the human being is always such (laughs) that you will rise to the occasion. Exactly. If you alleviate the need to rise to any sort of occasion, people are going to be lazy. (laughs) Yep, literally, firsthand. Um, Okay, Mathis also asked, if the hardcore mode didn't exist, what would your play style be? Speed runs, collection login, etc.? Well, who's to say, because we don't live in that reality, but I'm sure it would be something, some means of challenging myself. Like if I'm going to play a game for 20 years, you got to find some way to keep it interesting. With combat achievements now, like I've even, I've even considered taking a break from hardcore just to knock those out. But I would definitely do that if I were to like, say, die on my current hardcore and weren't be playing group Iron Man with the boys. Yeah. What do you think about group hardcore? I I haven't really asked you about that. You've been playing it uh, with... For those that don't know, Curtis, Foe, and or uh, Curtis, Man. Foe, and Mister Mammal. Yeah, yeah, that's that's we have it, the fearsome foursome, yeah. and that's I've been having a great time doing it. I mean, it's honestly very fun, and I think a lot of viewers have found it to be a unique viewership experience that yeah. they've come to value and like don't necessarily want to see go away. Mm-hmm. Like in leagues, me and the other guys are probably still going to be in comms together just because it's it's fun. Like you can you can just chime in and bounce something off somebody or have a little bit of banter. And it's just, it adds a little dimension to the platform. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I didn't know how to feel about it at first. I mean, foe marketed himself doing group Iron Man so well. He's also like, you know, up there with the biggest amount of following in the first place. But like, yeah, seeing him like the first month, just popping off. I mean, you, you, Mr. Mammal and Curtis, just, all of you four were just popping off crazy. That being said, we do, I mean, we did have realistic expectations and we knew what to expect from each other. Like, cause the, we all do this for a living. So like, no one's going to be ducking out after two or three weeks. This is going to be for real. Yep. And yep. a lot of people, a lot of people when group came out, they're like, oh, I got to make one. And then they just <laughs> scrounged for this group and it was just full of shitters and they're the only one playing. Yeah, it's definitely, if I were to have ever done one, I was considering it, making a group Iron Man, but it would have to be with somebody that's doing it full-time for their life. Yeah, and we're also not, we're very, all four of us are pretty easygoing people. People come in like, how do you feel about Mr. Mammal dying? It's like, I don't (laughs) care, man. (laughs) Yeah. Doesn't make me like him any less. (laughs) Maybe a little bit less, no. Yeah, no, I think it's cool. Um, Were you expecting hardcore group? Or were you just no, kind because of nobody was. They yeah. had they had pretty firmly said it wasn't going to be the case on launch, and then yeah. like two weeks prior, they're like, "Oh yeah, we're going to be offering hardcore as well." We're of course we're going to do that. Yeah, that's what we do. It was cool that they added another layer. It's like everything's unsafe. Yes, that's crazy. Have you have you been really close to a slip up, thinking like this is a safe death, but it's not? Or I you... haven't actually. Okay. It doesn't take that long to adapt to the, the new style of play. That's true. I haven't, I mean, we've all had chances in our group. Mammal has just unfortunately gotten the, the short end of the stick on that one. <laughs> Admittedly, the chance or the deaths he's had has been from like lesser chances than the rest of us have sustained, which yeah. is that's a little, funny. Uh, 
a little unfair to him. His was the one with the monkey madness one death. Was that? Was that yeah, he got death? hit for a 30 by the jungle demon because <laughs> yeah. that was his HP. Just and so fucking uh, unlucky. We weren't sure about the mechanics as to if one is in melee range with the jungle demon, does he have like a 50% chance of mailing or maging or does he always opt to melee you? Yeah. Because his max hits 32. So like no matter what, <laughs> he got pretty unlucky with that. Like yeah. the accuracy roll was all but guaranteed, but to hit a 30, like. Yeah, it's brutal. That was, you just see his face. I vividly remember that. Clip. And you can see, if you know game <laughs> mechanics, you see it coming. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> about to just path right into that guy. Oh, yeah, that's rough. Because it almost looks like you can just mage at any part of that little bridge right there, but yeah. now you're just line of sights blocked. My uh, my biggest tip, and I've only exploited this in recent accounts, my biggest tip for anybody doing that fight with a jungle demon, you let the gnomes damage you, and then what a lot of people do is they'll mage him on that bridge, but sometimes the gnomes will like take it all the way and kill him. Mm-hmm, what you can do is you can lure him all the way north to another bridge where there are no gnomes, so you're guaranteed to get the last hit. Oh, interesting. Little tidbit for you there. <laughs> there you go, guys. Okay, and final question for math is, why are you such a cool fella? Why am I so... And I don't think most people who know me in real life would put would put it that way. <laughs> just I just do my own thing and don't give much... Don't really give a care what others have to say. Do you Which think... Which I think has its own appeal. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Do you think that being a little bit more... Uh... I don't know. I don't feel like I know much about you. I mean, I've asked you some questions already and I've watched your stream enough, but I still feel like there's like a mysterious side to Roy to like, what does he do? You know? And I think that that kind of like is sort of the appeal with the coolness. Like, ah, uh, he just does whatever he wants. And it's the same, the same way I look at um like Zezima or like Link's Titan. They just never yeah. really put themselves out there too much to give too much out. And so they remained cool. I don't know. I'd even say, like, Oispicology, like, nobody really knows who he is, kind of. It's just really cool. But as soon as you were to, like, know everything about him, it's like, all right, he's not that cool. As I said earlier in the podcast, some people do, as streamers, they just, they have the expectation that they have to be so open about absolutely everything. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. And I think if you do that, you kind of, you open yourself up in another sort of way to kind of an inescapable being an inescapably public figure to where people kind of have expectations about like your, your day in and your day out. Like if you were to, if you were to like go on a date, everybody would want to know exactly what happened in that date. It's like, that's, that's not your, yeah. that's my business. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay. Kind of going, I, like, I don't, I don't try to be mysterious to put it that way. Just, I'm not. Yeah. You're just not going to share everything. Overly about candid about everything. Yeah. Now, I mean, I mean, I think when I realize being, kind of uh hiding some of my irl stuff a little bit more as soon as that i i noticed my my audience was getting a little bit more like curious about it then i was like okay this is work like i don't know this kind of works like you just don't give everything out you you know yeah i mean mean, i've also got a a bit of a shell and i am just generally a, a hard character to figure out i don't know if i'm I don't know if I'm like an ultra high functioning autistic person or what, but I'm like I'm a little I'm a little off base. Anybody would admit that who knows yeah. I think anybody that streams RuneScape is going to be a little bit offbeat. I mean, yeah, that's got, sure. just got to be the case. But that is one thing that I will say. That is why Foe is such a role model to me. Is when I was getting into streaming, he was the person who showed me. I mean, in that era of Twitch, he showed me that streaming was a viable possibility 
for someone who was not just this spastic figure bouncing off the walls. Like he was this level-headed guy. It's kind of like me. Yeah. Foe could be one of my cousins and I wouldn't question it at all. He's just like my family. Like I'm that way. So if he can do it, so can I. That is interesting because you don't see it often that a person like Foe with his character and his demeanor and yours as well, like make it really far on Twitch or get a huge audience. The the audience is there. Those people are there. And if they don't have anybody to watch, they'll just watch who's available, which are usually these more exuberant figures, Mm -hmm. which there's definitely appeal to that. Like I love to watch Oda, who's the most exuberant guy in the world. Yeah. (laughs) You can, it's it's a bit of an acquired taste, but if you do kind of get in the vibe of those streams, they get very fun. Yeah. And I feel like that is kind of like where people gravitate toward. But it's still crazy to see like, you know, foe i mean i'll pop in it's just there, there is no character he's playing like, he's just he's just playing the game he's just doing his thing i mean yeah and people are very good about recognizing authenticity in somebody else and that's something i yeah. always strive to be in my personal life and in the the figure i project is exactly who i am yeah i think that's just awesome that you've chosen to be yourself rather than you know, having to put on a character it's not that it's, it's not that it's impossible to play a character just understand if you're going to be a character Either you're going to have to awkwardly transition out of that or always be that character. Yeah, and that ends up not being fun, generally speaking. Yeah. When you're like just... if, if it feels like a chore to go live and be this person <laughs> for six, seven, eight hours a day, then you're not going to be streaming long term. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, kind of rough. Because sometimes it would be cool to be like, man, like, because you see, and it doesn't happen to everyone, because like Twitch, there always is an element of luck of just getting the exposure you need. Oh, for sure. There's, a lot there's of people out there with two viewers who deserve to have 20,000, and there's people with 20,000 yep. who deserve to be off the platform. <laughs> yep. No, because I see, like, you know, people will be themselves, and they're streaming to two people, and it's like, like, that just sucks because you are a genuine person. You're you're fantastic streamer, but you're just not getting that opportunity. Yeah. That's and, why I will always say if anybody wants to get into streaming from a career perspective, like put it an, put it another way and like pretend you're going to go walk around the streets of Hollywood expecting to get discovered. It's not going to happen. You, <laughs> yeah, that's it requires a certain element of luck. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, showing one of my friends. I was like, here's my one year analytics. This is me streaming for one year full time, basically. Cause I went the same route as you or I just like sent it, you know? And yeah, it's uh pretty crazy to see the stark difference between like year one and then, year two and year three popularity begets popularity people are going to tune into streams that have more people even if it's the same person with 100 viewers or two viewers and i used to think that was so unfair and now that i've gotten a little bit more popularity popularity i'm like all right i kind of like this now (laughs) like i kind of like that was gross (laughs) it does snowball definitely (laughs) yeah i used to think like man that's so annoying like why can't people watch me when i was pulling like three viewers like you know there's so many people already watching this but the cool thing is, in Mr. Mammal, I had him on the cast as well. We were just talking, and he was like, he doesn't feel like he does anything special, but he's just such an OG and has put in the time to get that exposure. But now at this point... He's an OG, and Mammal's just the most genuine, wholesome, wonderful human being. Oh, People yeah. I mean, tune in for that. Yeah. They always want to see him do well. That's true. He is, he is a nice fucking guy. That was really nice talking to him. Just super humble. <laughs> yeah, he's always down to talk about anything. Love, yeah. I love being able to bounce conversation off Mammal in Discord on stream. Yeah, he's definitely a genuine dude. Okay, we're kind of going to go back a little bit to Gauntlet. Mutz has, Mutz has a question. Sure, sure. 
as a master of the gauntlet, what do you think of the almighty CG rush being meta for hardcore? He puts in parentheses hardcore and Iron Man in general, especially with the Bofa. What did you think about the Bofa coming out to gauntlet? So I have a lot to say on this subject, <laughs> and I've kind of I've kind of come full circle on it. So, as I said earlier, Osiris has been doing CG rush since before it was cool. He always keeps the cool template for himself. He's been doing CG since it was only the blade and he would go for that as getting his tier 75 and obviously all the money and a little bit of crafting XP that gauntlet gives you. And then solo, I didn't, wouldn't say solo rushed CG, but he had the highest CG KC on his hardcore when he was building it. Mm-hmm. I was really the first person to kind of get there at what you would consider an irresponsible combat bracket. Like <laughs> less than fully maxed other than Osiris. Of course yeah. he was there like right off the bat. On my doorframe account, which at the time, when I got into CG, I think I had 99 ranged and I was like probably 90 something mage. No raid prayers though, which most would consider advantageous. Yeah. And then on my current hardcore, Widefella, who is still alive, that is when I did my Song of the Elves CG rush. And I was, I think I was done with CG, albeit a little spoon, at about 24 days playtime which was just like unheard of at the yeah, time. Yeah, that's insane. Since then, Osiris has built like a like an eight-day Song of the Elves <laughs> rush, but that account wasn't gauntlet ready, of course. He yeah. was just like seeing how fast he And then, so, hang on, let me reread the question again. Almighty CG rush. So, when I was planning my CG rush on Widefella, this was before the bow had even been pitched. Like, I was doing this for the blade. Yeah. And during the building of the account, they pitched the idea for the Bofa and it came out and it was released like right before I got there. And I was, I was, I was team no Bofa. Yeah. Because having used crystal bow and crystal armor in the past, I was like, this shit's pretty strong for how easy it is to get. Yeah. If they make this with a bow, that's like twice as good. <laughs> this is going to be OP. Yeah. Like I could kind of see the writing on the wall and everyone just kind of like, admittedly, they did nerf it a little bit pre-launch. Yeah. But I was like, this is going to be a son of a bitch of a weapon. And for selfish reasons, I wanted it to come in so I could use it. But for the integrity of the game, I was like, maybe they should reconsider. But (laughs) it did end up coming out. And with that, the CG rush went from good to unavoidable. If you want to be meta, it's what you do. No question about it. Because just having the Bofa for the game and the number of areas where it's good, not to mention the blade and just being able to skip the whip so early on. Yeah, it's just invaluable. Like I'm expecting maybe at some point in the future, they'll put a crystal trident in there. <laughs> you just go right to Cox afterwards, but just don't let it be unlimited. I'm so I'm still bothered that the Bofa, I understand that it like is crystal and it can shoot out its own ammo and stuff, but I was really hoping that it would shoot out arrows. Yeah. I mean, and people did like the price calculations for like a main. It's like, are you going to be buying 90,000 dragon arrows worth of crystal shards? Yeah. But. I think the main reason I kind of liked it is because it also would balance out the DPS. So, like, Iron Man would just yeah. inevitably have to use the rune arrows, which would just not make the bow as OP. Because, mm-hmm. like, if Dragon were to be what its current strength is, that would be, like, perfect in my opinion. Um, the, uh, the other thing that was just bothering me at the time was just the fact that you just get shat out arrows all the time and there's nowhere to use them because, like, now that mm-hmm. the best bow you have just doesn't even use ammo. Like, that's... Interesting. I I was hoping that Am- when they came out with Amethyst, I was hoping that Amethyst would go on to the rune ammunition as opposed to just like something you yeah. fleshed independently. But that didn't happen. 
But yeah, that, as I was, I was, I was saying for the meta, mm-hmm. I've come full circle in that having done the CG rush in what I would consider to be a pretty perfect manner and getting a little spoon in the process. It's just not something I'm super into doing again, because I've done it like yeah. in my current group hardcore, I've done one CG just like to do it. I have people ask me every day when CG, when C, when CG, are you going to do the CG grind? I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I've done that. It's not as important to me to do anymore. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to be a little bit old school and take the game just one step at a time. Yeah. Siege, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it either because, like, it really is just end-all, be-all. Like, you go to Gauntlet and get your best-in-slot range and best-in-slot melee weapon. But it's like... Yeah, immediately. It's a little weird. Like, I don't know. I kind of... I will say I'm I'm a big fan of equipment rebalancing and stuff. And I think the blowpipe was always just way too OP. So I like what they've done, but, like... Well, what what I don't like, and I definitely piece to speak on this is they were they nerfed the bofa because it was what they considered to be an overly pervasive meta as in useful in too many spots and like bis so many places yeah and then they go and they add the bofa and thralls immediately after <laughs> which became even even more severe metas yeah wait have you done any nightmare I have not done a significant amount of Nightmare. No, I did Day of Release Nightmare, and I did a little bit of Trailblazer Nightmare. That's it. Yeah. I was going to ask, I mean, Torva's out now, and apparently, according to paper, Inquisitors is still best in slot wherever it was previously best in slot, like Nightmare, CMs, Serb, and K-Cube. Just barely now with Torva out. But, like, do you even see there being a reason to ever grind out Nightmare? Besides, like, maybe for the Mace, I guess, or... Because like the I mean, the mace is really the only thing, and if you want to be if you want to be super sweaty, the harm orb definitely has its place in the game. With for a fire. for a little bit longer until the wand comes yeah. out with the yeah. new arcane. But no nightmare is um, nightmare came out with this enormously lofty time to completion for gear that you don't really need to have. Yeah, and that was just kind of put a sour taste in a lot of people. Yeah, it's uh okay, so you've only done one day of next, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you do you see any similarities between I I know there's people that would just absolutely fucking hate me for even asking this, but are there any similarities between next and like nightmare release? Similarities, yes, but at least you can say certain things are definitively BIS for some occasions, but it might not be relevant by the time you get there and acquire them. Yeah. Okay. Like, if I want this extra max hit or two during Slayer, I've probably done all my Slayer by the time I'm doing next. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've been doing next for, you know, just about two weeks now, well, I guess 12 days. And they just... It's, it's fun being in, like, smaller teams and stuff, but it really does feel kind of similar to the point of just, like, you're just grinding a not-hard boss for a long-ass time. I think what Absolutely. they say is like 500 hours to complete next. And it's a shit ton of supplies. They, I mean, it drops decent loot, which I am a big fan of. So, like, even if you were to go dry, it's unlike Nightmare, where Nightmare on release was like 17 bass. It was like, that was your yeah. drop. It's like, okay, at least you're going to get something for going dry. But it still feels very similar to next, where it's just, it's just time. It's just like, it's not that engaging. I mean, it's kind of, it's more engaging than Nightmare Masses for sure, but it's like. For sure. And with Nightmare and Next both with MVP mechanics, it does sort of prevent against rushing 
if you are not going to have the kind of DPS to realistically get the things you want. That's the other there. thing I'm a huge fan of. I'm a fan that they didn't do any weird top mechanics where it's just like, oh, don't die and you get more points, you know? Yeah. I really like that it's just damage focus. However much damage you did is yeah. what you're going to get. I certainly am it. Part of the original people who exploited that TOB by It's like impossible. Them. Yeah, I mean, I would have done the same thing. I think it's so stupid the way that works out, and it still works like that. I think they need and to And I will it. I will selfishly selfishly say that in general, at least in the public eye, I was one of the innovators of rushed Iron Man builds, especially rushed hardcore builds. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't really by design. That was more so after my original hardcore death, which I did in a very traditional sort of sort of way, like you know, Slayer and Whip and all that. Yeah. After that, I made another hardcore who ended up dying to a Vorkath DC after 85 Slayer, also done in a very traditional sense. And then after that, I was like, I'm not doing this again. I'm not going to go through all of this just to die to some bullshit. Let me front load this stuff, see if I can get all these goodies, and then use these in the game like to their fullest potential. Yeah. This is when I started doing the TOB rush and then eventually the CG rush, and it kind of kind of built to that. The first I would say to do it, though, was Cloud Badass. And yep. he didn't do it because he thought it was efficient. He did it because nothing is challenging to him. <laughs> and he wanted to do these ultra risky TOB runs at like 60 combat just because that's the only thing that interested him. Yeah. But what was funny is like ultra risky, but at the same time, it's like the least risky because you're yeah. just not risking that. I mean, if you're so good, you can just you can do TOB all day. Nothing's yeah. going to kill you. But it was like the thing that people would just be like, oh, this account he's only spent a week on or two weeks or a month or whatever, however long he spent. But then you would see like a Ari Slash would always bring up that point of like, well, you know, his account is put in 8,000 hours or 10,000 hours mm-hmm. or whatever. And it disincentivizes you of trying these risky things if you have so much invested in your character, which yep. is why I wanted to tend towards getting these risky things out of the way early. Yeah, and, and that is in the this era, there weren't as many risky things. That's really just TOB. That really is the smartest way to go. If I were to make a hardcore, which I don't plan to, because I would just die and remake and just get all sad and stuff. But like, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah no, I just rush TOB first thing, basically, like try to get a good enough stats and just abuse those mechanics, just get a couple draws. And it, it provides a a more realistic way to be a remake, Andy, if you know that after 400 hours in game, you're going to be back at these at these end game bosses. It's yeah. a lot more appealing that way. Yeah, that's true. That's something that bothers me, though, about the TOB drop system is that it is, like, such endgame content that can be rushed. It's like, uh, that kind of is annoying yeah. to me, but... I can see both sides. It's, it does feel like an exploitation, though, when you go there yeah. on this little baby hardcore. Yeah, and that's... Uh, I wonder how... I think, you know, we'd already kind of mentioned next and how... I'm pretty sure you can just rush it. You just get 70 agility. Get, like, your God Wars dungeon KCs, one KC, and then just go to next. And just go in masses and stuff. Shoot your Addy crossbow with ruby bolts, but like yeah, bring in Karam ones and hope for rubies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all you really need to do. But at the same time, because it's such a big fucking grind, like five hundred hours for full completion. That's that's a lot. So yeah, and that's I mean, assuming the, the, the rush. Too. It's built around getting things that are actually going to be useful to you, mm-hmm. like getting a rapier or a blade that's going to help you skip a whip and do all your slayer, and the bofa is going to give your leg up on chambers and arma and zilly and all that good stuff. <laughs> the funny thing is on my current, uh, my current hardcore, I do this blade bofa rush to such perfection and then immediately get a rapier and a Tebow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what always I was like, well, happens. Fuck me. 
you know that's going to happen though. That's that's what RNG is. Whatever you absolutely do not want to have happen will happen. Absolutely. So okay. Palmer, Mr. Palmer asks, I'm not going to suggest topics as man can hold a conversation on most subjects, but maybe ask him what he thinks about the impact of socio-political agendas, cancel culture, political correctness slash censorship on or is on streaming in the long run since it's only getting worse. I've never been asked this on a cast. I'm actually very interested to hear what you have to say. And I have a few thoughts as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just kind of the world we're living in where anything you say is just subject to such scrutiny. Yeah, and it recorded makes, permanently forever. It makes people in our age bracket so happy that we were not living in this current world when we were in middle school or whatever. <laughs> these kids yeah. Are oh but God, um, so true. I would say Twitch as a platform because, like, Twitch is the big daddy mm-hmm. and they are going to, they are responsible for what's on their platform you do have to maybe tiptoe around things that you would otherwise like to address or form your opinion around yeah but i think what's most important is that it is just an opinion i'm not like i'm not necessarily an expert in any of the things i talk about it's just me just talking yep something i say might be really fucking stupid but (laughs) it doesn't mean i should necessarily be be held to that indefinitely yeah. It just, uh, I think it dampens any conversation. People are afraid to say something that others might not necessarily like. And on Twitch, if it's just these little sound bites, it's so easy not to speak in long form and make yourself understood in what you're saying, too. Mm-hmm. So people get this unrealistic interpretation of what it is that you have to say and what you think and might affect the way that they perceive you as a whole. Yeah. But I think people are a little bit more dimensional than that and you shouldn't necessarily judge them off their opinion on one certain thing that you may or may not agree. Yeah. No, it's it's an interesting day we live in. Just like if anything, I, I love I would love to talk about anything and everything. I'm an open book. Like I would love to do that on my stream. But it's like just get to the point where if you talk anything about any deep stuff, like your political beliefs or religious beliefs or whatever as much as I would love to talk about it, because I think I, f- I find it enjoyable to just talk about, you know, deep stuff like that. But like maybe not political side. I don't really like to talk about politics, but like religion, I would love yeah. to talk about. But uh, I just can't like because I just know it's not going to lead to anywhere like nice. And then it's it'll true. get to a point where somebody will clip something out of context or something. It's just like, Ugh. And I'm from I'm from an environment in, in Maine and in New England and just in the family that I was raised in. It was a little bit more reserved and it was kind of from an era where it was a little rude to ask someone about like their political beliefs or anything. And I still kind of maintain that belief. Yeah. Like even my, my own parents wouldn't even tell me who they voted for. Like I'm your kid. (laughs) It's just cause that's, that's the environment I grew up in. I think there's a certain value to not giving a shit what someone has to think about politics and just treating them like a person and interacting with them in the setting that you are in. Mm hmm. Like I'm, I'm here to play RuneScape. That's that's what I want to talk about first and foremost. Anything else I have to comment on is opinion or just the way that I feel, not necessarily a fact. And it's not to say that my opinion can't be changed either. Yeah. But hearkening back to you know getting to know somebody, that is why I am personally kind of more of a proponent of keeping things in more of an individual and community sense. 
yeah. because then you do know the people who directly defect, affect your life and you can kind of have more of a role in your existence. Mm -hmm. Like if I, you could vote for somebody at the tippy top of a government and they could promise you like Dr. Pepper and the water fountains and whatever people do in fifth grade <laughs> and all the, all this fantastical stuff. Yeah. That's probably not ever going to reach me, but you know, if I get involved with my own local school board or something like that, maybe that's going to enact a real change in my day-to-day -day life. Mm -hmm. And I think if more people thought that way, I think things would get better all to the top. I don't think I'm not of a, I kind of grew up as a pessimistic person and I would say that's definitely changed. I'm more of an optimist these days. I think people think that the country or their country or our country or just the society as a whole is so doomed. And I don't think it's going to be like a generational or a decades long thing to fix things or have things be better. I think things could be better in months and years, not decades and generations. Humans are extremely adaptable. It just takes the willingness to commit to a change. That's true. Yeah, I, th I think I agree with you on the the whole thing. I think people tend to want to help in the biggest way they possibly can, which just inevitably just leads to like not doing anything. Fasten your own seatbelt before you fasten somebody else's. And yeah, if everybody exactly. feels that way, it's just, I think there is, I think it would be a, a wildly different landscape. Yeah. It's not to say you shouldn't care, but and I understand think... your outreach. I agree with you. I think I'm an optimist as well. I mean, I have my own points of view, but I will say whenever I just leave the internet, just get offline and go outside. Oh, yeah, man. The world seems way more beautiful. As soon as you just like lock yourself in your room, just on the internet all day, like everything seems <laughs> doom sure. and gloom. Yeah. Like you would, you would think everyone like hates, hates everybody, but then you go outside and you like smile at somebody. You're like, Oh, everyone's, you know, the world's, yeah, the world's so, happy it's again. It's so clear when you interact with people who do live their life in such a way. And it's, I mean, you can't be totally dismissive, but it's like, come on. <laughs> yeah. You clearly haven't talked to anybody or been outside. <laughs> yeah. It is really dangerous to just like, cause I have a habit where I just wake up in the morning and just read stuff on my phone. Oh yeah. Just internet stuff. And I'm just like, okay, this is not the, probably the most optimal way to start my day is just reading like arguments online and stuff. Like, let me just yeah. get outside. Baby steps. I mean, if I am a big proponent in taking any effort you can take to like get involved with a hobby or better yourself in some way is going to become systemic. Yeah. That's why I think everybody should have at least one activity in their life that they kind of suck at. Because it gives you something to improve at. And when you notice yourself improving in some aspect, it makes you want to improve in every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. What do you think about, kind of going back to RuneScape real quick, what do you think about the Inferno being something that is, it just has been for so long, such a prestigious accomplishment? And a lot of people... I mean, I don't actually know the percentage of players that have it, like actual unique players that have it. It's probably very, mm. very low, but non-bot capes. Yeah, exactly. And non-like dupe account capes, like where somebody has three accounts. Yeah. Just like players that have actually gotten it. I just wonder, um, there's so, there's like the attitude I see, like where it's just like, oh, I'll never be able to do that. But it's like, I used to think the same thing. When I first watched the Inferno release... I was watching these people. I'm like, yep. I had already mentally decided that I would never hop into the Inferno. <laughs> it just was, I would just never be able to do it. 
What I always tell people if they are pessimistic about their own abilities with the Inferno, I will say, no matter how bad you are, somebody worse than you has gotten an Inferno cape because they persevered. <laughs> yeah. It's just a fact. Shit. It's true. And it is intimidating, and I think it always will be one of the hardest pieces of content in the game. But as with anything, once you learn everything there is to know about it, then you become Adicon, and you're <laughs> knocking out these 46 minutes Infernos. Bruh. Adicon is. I'm sorry to interrupt. Adicon is a fucking beast. Oh yeah, like he makes. I, I got a little scared when I saw that he was getting into PvP. It's like I don't ever want to meet <laughs> oh, that no. guy out in the wilderness. <laughs> what if he learned how to do eight way switches? Oh god. I mean, he already do- he has the cleanest switches in uh, chambers. But yeah, like if he was in a PvP setting doing that shit. Oh god. It 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 makes me nervous when I see him do Inferno and it's like. He just his character seems so unprepared for what's about to occur, like yeah. when the wave's gonna spawn, and then just like boom, 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 he's ready. He starts wave sixty three at twenty HP, and just like he's everything's under control though, like he knows what's happening. But I'm like, yeah. dude, nobody, I would never under any circumstance start wave sixty three at twenty HP. Like what the yeah. fuck? I mean, that's part of that's part of what learning any PVM, especially Inferno, is is just being being cognizant of all that's going on and yep. weighing all the variables, understanding what you have to. Yeah, he makes that down to the highest possible level. He makes it look like a different boss, and he just makes it look like a completely different mini game. I guess it's a mini game or something. Mm -hmm. But like, you watch a person that's doing their first cape, and dude, the inferno looks hectic because you're watching it in their point of view. It's like Jesus, like this (laughs) looks insane. But then you watch Atticon do it, like, oh, like I could probably do the inferno, just make it look so easy. Like that is a true skill when you've mastered it so well that other people. It appears to them as it's easy. It's always fun to watch people who are just a real master of their craft because it oh, always yeah. looks like it's slower than it is when you do it. <laughs> oh, so yeah. in control. Like if you watch Wooks play the game, it feels like he has like three ticks per tick. You can just do things at his <laughs> yeah. own pace and it just happens. Yeah. It's that's so how true. I was with CG and that's why a lot of people were so wrapped up in that grind because I got to a point in CG where I could do a whole CG. And I didn't feel like I left like a single tick on the table. It just, it reached such a state of perfection that it was just so easy. That's so cool. And it just feels good at that point. Everything's just rolling. Like, let's go. What was your uh, success rate of just getting to Hunleth? At my best or at anybody's best, given just the random nature of the layouts, I think one can be at about 95%, 90 to 95% success, which is very reasonable. Uh, did you ever have to leave Hunleth because just you were getting owned? actually, no, I think in my original grind in nine thirty, I don't think I ever left Hunleth a single time other than just like connection instability. That's insane. I would even go in with like three food. Like, let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty dirty that how that armor does. Yeah. You can be so tanky in the tier three. Yeah. I almost I I almost tied world record normal Hunleth. I didn't eat a single food, and my weapons I had two I had the, the uh, staff and the bow, mm-hmm. and I just could not miss. I just did the entire thing without eating once, and it was like a one hundred five. I think world record is like one hundred two or something. Or yeah, like... it's so nice just being in the groove, and that's that's <laughs> how I like to do Inferno as well. I find it personally. The more that I delay between waves and think about what's about to happen, the worse I do. But if I just go, 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 I make it happen. Yeah. 
Yep. Sometimes you just got to go in autopilot and trust your instincts. That literally is it because, I mean, I've always been intimidated by the Inferno, especially before combat achievements came out. Like, mm-hmm. I've gotten Grandmaster now, but those Inferno tasks were just like, oh, like these are going to suck. Like, I'm so bad at the Inferno. I've all, I'm a Tebow prod, you know? Like, I've never actually had to yeah. do the Inferno with, like, shitty gear. Yeah. My weird. first was uh, was ACB with oh. an ancient staff and dehyde and, like, no tank switch or anything. Yeah. See, and I also did, there were no guides at the time, and I also didn't really <laughs> yeah. want to use a guide. It took me, I think, 20, I want to say 24 attempts for my very first Inferno. Yeah, which I remember. could have been, like, half of that, but <laughs> I just kept kind of dicking around and getting in my own head. Yeah, and I feel which like... Which harkens it, back to the MSB RCB Eagle Eye Cape that I eventually got around to doing Jesus. as well. I will, I will never do that. Like, I'm just so I glad. I don't recommend it. Ask <laughs> yeah. BF Rocket, it'll tell you the same thing. Like, it's cool, but... <laughs> <laughs> anybody who anybody who's good at Inferno and then wants to try the MSB RCB, unless you're Puggin or yeah. Lake, anybody who wants to try that, it might seem feasible on paper, <laughs> like you might think you know what to do, but you have to be so perfect in every single wave, and you can't lose any excess prayer, and you have to be so conscious of every single variable, and it takes so long to do. Just the fact that you have to switch to long range and probably scuff the shield. I'm assuming that's what yeah. you did. Like I did not scuff shield, actually. I uh, I wouldn't either. I'll be honest. I wouldn't remembering how to long range. Yeah. Scuffing the shield to me is just an extra variable, an extra complication to yeah. consider. And it's like, like be throughout this side, if the shield's going this way, exactly. Or this side. It's like throughout the entire Zook fight, there's another variable. It's not just like one little part of it. It's like, no, nah, the, the entire rest of yeah. the fight, you have to understand that you can't be behind the shield. Zuck to me has always been a free wave because it's going to be the same thing every time, barring mm-hmm. a little bit of RNG. It's, it's the waves prior. It's like your, it's 56, 62, 63. That to me is, is the hard part of Inferno. Yeah. If you can consistently do that. And then you can shake those Zuck nerves like you can with your first Jad when you got shaky hands. <laughs> Afterward, Jad becomes a piece of cake. Zuck's the same thing. Yeah. Zuck is a really fun part of the fight. I wonder if it's fun because it's so rare to get to that point. Like, it just takes a lot of time to get to that point. You can't just, like, keep repeating it. Yeah. Or because it's actually just a genuinely fun fight. I think it's just fun to eventually see him die after <laughs> after having gone through it all. Yeah. That distinct noise of him dying with that dragon sound. I wonder how annoying it would be. So this is kind of a weird thing. But in Nex, the ending phase, the Zaros phase of Nex, it, Nex, I believe, we don't actually, I, I don't think we anybody knows the exact stats of Nex, but I believe the further it gets down to zero HP, the more defense it gets. To the point where it's like literally at five HP and you just can't fucking hit. Like your I mean, thrall. People people think that about Hunliff. No, 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 <laughs> no. But spoke. this this like has to be real because literally, like you'll just sit there and you'll hit twenty hits in a row and they're all zeros. Like just it actually is unbelievable. So I think that's the case. Imagine if Zook. Uh, let's just say it wasn't the case, but imagine like Zook had that, where it's just like the more you get it down, it just won't hit. Like fuck. Like, yeah, that'd be so. I mean, it, it already has that extra layer of complication with the enraged phase, which trips mm-hmm. so many people up. Yeah, the enraged phase with a scuff shield sounds like hell. I, I I would hate that. Oh, for sure. And, like, sometimes, even if you're really good at Inferno, you'll still be, like, just a tile off. You're like, what the hell? That wasn't my fault. Yeah, you had no idea. Um, we I had to do a Jad skip 
for uh, the Inferno, and I was kind of intimidated by it. Like, I knew I could probably do it, but just the fact that you're going to throw the cape, you know, if you don't get it, it's just annoying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But uh, I mean, if, if you clear the sets and you got a Tebow that goes burr, then <laughs> it's not that bad. Yeah, I think I just got intimidated by it because I've always just prayed redemption when healers come out. I mean, just... Yeah, I do the same thing, even if I know I'm not going to be on those low HP. Yeah. But no, it was pretty. Be- it was pretty nice. And uh, luckily- I remember, I remember talking to Lake when I was doing my MSB. I was like, uh, I was thinking about stacking majors, and he was like, "You don't need to do that." <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, I took that to heart. That's good. Lake is a. I gotta give a shout out to Lake too. He is an absolute menace at this game. He just oh yeah, insane. Yeah, it's uh, kind of weird to think like how good like Pug and Lake and I mean even Bodie's really fucking good at the game. Exact's on a whole other level. I would say Exact is the most mechanically gifted player. In oh yeah, and, but he's also he'll shit talk himself so much he'll he'll think he's nothing, but everybody knows he's the best. Dude, like if, you, it, if you try to compliment him at all, he'd be like, "No, my team." <laughs> yeah. is very what is that? What is up with that? It's the same thing. I mean, I would argue Molgoat Kirby and uh, Adikon do the same thing. Where I mean, I'd, I'd say Exact is on a different tier of humbleness. Like he just literally won't take credit. He's just so humble about everything. But there's something with really talented RuneScape players and humbleness. Just kind of like I can think of one exception, hands. but I think he's kind of been canceled. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna say it, or better not? Better not say <laughs> it. with a D. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay um let's uh move on so we've already kind of talked about this toward the beginning but if there's anything else you'd like to add feel free sizable asks how do you strike a healthy balance between gym life streaming mental wellness with the huge time commitment your job requires especially during covid yeah well as i said earlier i mean any anybody who's self-employed especially if you're a if you're an entertainer it's you put in as much time as you want to and your success will reflect that at least to some extent so if you want to just be like devoted to your craft 15 16 hours a day sure you might see a little bit more success but you might also crumble under the weight of doing that for x amount of time mm-hmm. you got to kind of try to strike a balance as best you can and put yourself first in some occasions and I will say I am gifted at doing that to, to an arrogant extent. I will put myself above any other responsibility. Like I know I don't, I'm not a big day off guy, Yeah. but I will, I will firmly take days off on days where I know like this is going to hurt my sub count, but I don't want to stream. Yeah. So I will. And like every now and then, if I go like a week or two without working out, I'll notice my sleep's getting a little worse and I'm feeling a little bit more pent up and like, I'm not going to stream today because I want to work out and I want to, take care of myself today mm-hmm. and you kind of just got to forego you got to understand that you can't just be improving every single day in your career you have to you have to a lot a little time for yourself exactly and i'm not to say that I'm, I'm necessarily that good at that i with my working out and my diet i've for sure fallen off on that to a pretty large extent like <laughs> i'm not living my life as best as i could right now and i don't yeah. pretend but you just got to, you got to put in the effort and you have to establish a routine as well. Mm-hmm. Routine is the biggest thing because where motivation fails, discipline has to kick in. And yep. sometimes you just got to do something because it's what you do because it's what you want to do. Yeah. It's uh, definitely a lot more challenging when you don't have a boss like to 
answer for. Really. Yeah, being your own boss does uh, have its advantages <laughs> and its downsides. You yeah. are accountable only to you. Yeah, my brother, when uh, he works at this place, he's like one of the creative directors of this leather place he works at. And um, when COVID started, he had to like work from home for a bit. And oh my God, he just lost it. Like he didn't know what to do with himself. Like he just. Oh man, I was so thankful that I had been a streamer, self employed, looking out for myself for so long by the time that COVID hit, because you could see so many people who had never been in that position of Mm -hmm. like absence of structure. And even if they could hang for a month or two, they eventually just crumbled under it. And I had enough experience with it by that point to do very well. Yeah. So I wonder, because I think I do better. I mean, I clearly did better than my brother when he had to spend time at home. But um, like, I still struggle with just being my own boss. I feel like I, I'm, I don't push myself as hard as I would if I did have a boss and stuff. Well, clearly. But like, um, but... Yeah, it's it's definitely just comes down to building a routine on stuff, which, again, I'm not saying I'm an expert at. But whenever I do have a routine down, everything just tends to fit better. Sorry for the clicking. I had to just make these bolts. I should um, have done two herb runs in this time, but I've been logged out the whole time. <laughs> I have to. Now I'm, like, just stressing with brews and restores for the rest of my life because next I've only gotten van races. Oh, yeah. just been spending my whole life there. I've been – dude, there is an Iron Man – and I know you're not as familiar with the content you only did a day one, but like there's an Iron Man with eleven drops right now. Eleven. Like he's basically wow. completed it. I'm just like, how? Well, there's some people were just doing it like twenty two hours a day for a week straight. Yeah, the first week too, if you were doing it if you were going hard the first week, you were definitely having an advantage. Now they've messed with the drop rates. And especially when there's just so many shitters in there getting coughed on and their DPS is garbage. If you can if you can be the MVP pretty routinely, you got you got good odds. Yeah. Now that first day, I remember I, I hosted Puggin because uh like, you know, he was doing necks and stuff and just everyone was wearing ancestral <laughs> with their with yeah. their TiVo because like nobody knew how to fucking avoid the cough. It I made mean, me so mad because we, we figured out pretty early on the, the cough tank meta mm-hmm. and, and in, in the large groups. Yeah. And everybody would come into my stream while I was wearing Armadillo, like, why aren't you wearing Ancestral? I was like, well, if I'm not getting coughed on, then I don't need to wear Ancestral, yeah. buddy. And you get those jackasses that run around with the cough and just try to cough on everybody. Yeah, I only encountered two or three of those on day one. So it, one of whom I'm pretty sure was a habitual... Uh, soul wars boost crasher too it's just how he spends his days fucking with people so weird it just reminds me of rev case where people just like endlessly rag people back when it was multi just like what do you not have anything better to do like geez i mean it is a game at the end of the day and it's definitely easy to get a little uppity if you're the kind of person who plays the game all day and you're doing this this high-end stuff Mm -hmm. you lose perspective that not everybody is that way some people, I do. Some people will not only never complete Inferno, they'll never even be in a position to start trying because <laughs> they just don't play the game that much. Yeah. And that is a that is the larger demographic. Yeah, which is really hard for me to uh, remember that because I'm around. Because sometimes I even start thinking, oh, like people that play OSR are sort of the people in my stream, but the people in my stream also have crazy accounts compared to like oh, yeah. the. If, if they're going majority. so far as to play the game and watch somebody else play the game, they're probably pretty <laughs> yeah. into it. And so I start getting blinded by that, thinking like, oh, everyone's like that, you know? 
Like, everyone's good enough to do the Inferno, but then I'm like, okay, let me just take a step back. Let's remember back in 2015 when I started old school, and I was, like, the only thing I knew how to do was, like, KBD. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's a certain luxury to this podcast as well, in that probably most listeners know a, know at least a little something-something about the game. Yeah. <laughs> You're not going to be seeking out a long-form conversation like this if you don't know anything. Yep. No, and that's uh, kind of, that's what I like is... uh. I don't know what it is, and I, this might be a little bit of a tangent at this point, but just thinking of, like, niches, like, going into a niche category of something and spending your life doing it. Like, you stream old-school RuneScape, and you're making a living off of it. Like, I think that's really awesome. And it's the same thing here. It's like, I just can play this game. But then you even go further down that niche and only appealed, like, high levels. But, like, you know, it's still, it still could work out. Like, these little niches is what... I don't know. Um... The tangent basically is me trying to stem this to, like, a person that would love to be a popular streamer. Let's just say, like, I want to be the new XQC or I want to be the new just person mm-hmm. that does variety and stuff. It's like, I don't know. I feel like it's just so much easier and so much reason more reasonable to just go into a niche rather than just appeal to everything and be some oh, yeah. variety Just because you're doing something doesn't mean you have to be like the top person at that thing Mm -hmm. is you got to be realistic and it's with regards to twitch you're not going to be like a seventy thousand viewer streamer if you got a personality like mine or like foes that just kind of has this appeal to maybe an older audience you got to understand that most twitch viewers are in that younger bracket and they like someone a little bit more excitable yeah but that doesn't mean you can't have a good career if you're not that way yeah, I think that's uh, where I was kind of going. It's like these little niches and stuff you can choose. It's like there's nothing really wrong with it. In fact, you know, that's probably the way to do it is not to appeal to every single person. Just do your yeah, thing. And if, if you're not that way and you're trying to be that way, everybody knows that you're not <laughs> you're not being authentic. Mm-hmm. Okay. AHKscape asks, fave content. And what does he hope Raids 3 will bring to the game uh, rewards is what they're talking about. The rewards. What do you think it'll bring? Hmm. Favorite content, I would say. I mean, still to this day, probably CG, just because I like, I just like being so good at something and just having such control over mm. the outcome of a situation. But um, as far as raids three, I don't really know much about the rewards as pitched or as they plan to uh, to bring them into the game. To me. It just seems, I know originally people were kind of underwhelmed by them mm-hmm. in terms of like what they would add to the meta, outside of the one necessarily, but I tend to just take content as it comes and learn about these metas. I'm never much of an innovator in terms of like discovering how best to use these items. I'll kind of just, I'll wait for other people to do that and yeah. then just kind of follow suit. I've never been, never been on the front line of content like that. Because mm-hmm. as a, as a hardcore player, you kind of can't, <laughs> you kind of can't do that. Yeah. You want to remake more yeah 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 i i kind of see myself as an innovator but not with aspects as like dps calcs and stuff like that i leave that to like the experts i'm just like yes yeah, so that's what some people enjoy i'm not one of those people mm-hmm. yeah uh so i, I think they're still kind of reworking the raids three rewards i think i, I, I should hope so yeah yeah because i think they were planning on coming out with the like What's that armor even going to be called? What's that range armor called? 
literally can't even remember because I was just, I'm just thinking of Zarite at this point. But I don't, I don't know. know. But I know that the rangers that you do encounter in like the contact quest or whatever it is from Menaphos look kind of cool. But I don't think that's how they designed the range armor. But yeah. it was it was the armor that, or no the amulet that gives you like a like a pseudo Darok effect. Yeah, it was low life effect if you're under 40 HP, which just everybody would just. It, it's a cool item and all. I think it is kind of cool, but it's just like. Ah, there's so many places where you just take damage and the fact that you'd have to brew all the time or something or safe mm-hmm. up or eat food it's just like that dps is lost anyway so it's like yeah i've never been a big fan of like i hate thralls i will say that i do not like metas that you just feel so pressured to use everywhere even if it's not so convenient and i think the ami is kind of that way yeah yeah i uh agree with you and in fact that amulet i it was I think originally proposed as a range and melee amulet, it would actually have been a, be- a best in slot torture as well, like mm-hmm. melee amulet. But you would only use it at places where you just take no damage, which is just boring in my opinion. Yeah, challenge mode speedrunners would have had to log back into the game, <laughs> yeah. get going again. Yeah, but I mean, I think they have a cool idea with the wand coming out of that two tick wand that every four attacks it'll do a a four tick like charge attack or something. However, yeah, we'll just have to see. I just think I, Jagex, in my opinion, is a little too prone to like forging an idea and then not being able to let go of that idea if it doesn't yeah. necessarily pan out the way they want it. <laughs> and especially in the modern era when more and more people have an equally weighted vote that will never use these things. Not to say they don't, they aren't entitled to their own opinion, but we are definitely in a climate now where stuff like that can come into the game with a little bit less of a little bit less of an informed opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Let me, I will say we do have more J mods now than ever that actually play the game. Yeah. I'm happy about that. Like in the end game too. Mm -hmm. Maxed J mods, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this. What do you think about like polling system and also just like the whole thing where J mods have to basically come out with an idea, even probably develop a little bit of it and then have it like fail or something which most things don't fail anyway so it's not really that big of an issue but so i liked both eras i liked the rs2 era where you just like wake up and then the game would have changed in some way and you get Mm -hmm. to explore what just happened but i am also a big fan of the polling system and what it's done for old school and how some other uh some other gaming companies have seen what we've done in this community and been like hey that's pretty cool try that too because i think for any bad that the polling system does, I think it does more good for for reasons stated about like sometimes Jagex doesn't really grasp what the people want. And if they put something in the game, it's not as easy just to take it back out if it fails. Yeah. I think it's good to have that layer of <laughs> that little barrier to entry. Yeah. And... Even if it means things getting a little stale for a little while. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is like I'm on the complete opposite. Like when people are like, "We need new content," I've I'm always just fine with what we have because my goals, my original goals, which I've just been so distracted from, like getting you know all clue completion and stuff like that. Clearly, that's not well, actually such feasible. is the beauty of the game we play is that old school on its surface is a little boring, but you can make it as exciting as you want. Exactly, any number of things. And I think most people who are so desperate for new content haven't even scraped the surface of what there is to do. Yeah, that's how I kind of see it. And so I get a little annoyed 
uh when like people make a huge fuss about like we need new content because it's like i'm okay with them reworking old content i'll be completely honest i'm like i'm, I'm kind of on yeah. team like balance the game like that's that's part of why i love leagues so much and especially leagues like trailblazer these restrictions in place is that a piece of content that in the main game might be absolutely obsolete might be the very best thing for you to do mm-hmm. in, in a league in like a certain region part of why i want to convince you to play leagues three is because it's just, <laughs> yeah. it puts such a spin on the game that you think you're used to and then you realize you're not because there's so many so, so many things you have never done before what do we know about leagues three right now because i'm honestly kind of out of the loop and I didn't watch the Q&A, I'll be more honest. and more each day. I know there's definitely there's like discords that are that have J mods in them and they're getting this info. I personally have chosen not to really follow any of it. OK, just because I like kind of the Christmas morning surprise. But yeah, there's definitely people that like to unravel every detail they can. Well, especially if they're going to like compete really hard. They, they need that advantage as well. Yeah. For- and just avoiding bottlenecks is a big thing. Like if every single person is trying to like kill uh lobstrosity then <laughs> maybe yeah. you want to have gotten that yeah. done an hour before the the horde gets there that's true yeah but it is it is covering the whole map right that's what i've heard i believe yes this one will be no bars i believe that's i mean there's going to be like skill restrictions initially but i think you'll be able to unlock and do everything if you play it okay that's a kind of exciting honestly <laughs> Because like, we haven't had a chance me. to do Chambers since Twisted League, and it was with such handicapped. And then Trailblazer, and there was no Zaya. So yeah. this will be a chance to take anything you want that you can easily acquire with these enhanced drop rates and then just go do these endgame pieces of content. What what do you consider yourself more of a player during leagues? Because I think you skipped Twisted. Is that what you said earlier? I did skip Twisted. I did play Trailblazer for like three weeks or so. What did you choose to do in Trailblazer? And, and then... What are you going to do on this one that's different? I mean, Trailblazer, you could you could say it was a little stale in that it wasn't as diverse as maybe it could have been and there was kind of a beaten path if you wanted to if you wanted to like do what was most popular. The most popular thing was Kandarin and Asgarnia because you needed both of those to have piety mm-hmm. and then Mauritania because like TOB and Nightmare and stuff. And that was pretty much the three regions that everybody picked. And then within those regions, you would be smart to pick melee because you're not going to have a low pipe. You don't have access to like CG, even though there was no Bofa at the time. And there's no Zaya for Twisted Bow. So everybody was melee. Everybody picked those three regions. Everybody just did the same. <laughs> and I think Leagues 3 is going to be a lot more. You can kind of forge your own path in Leagues 3, I think. Okay, I honestly you won't be, and you can do anything you want because you can change your relics out, as yeah. opposed to just being locked. I'm not gonna lie. I'm. Uh, I think I'm gonna do it. I think, and I, I think the reason I'm gonna do it stems kind of from Nex as well. Just me not getting as lucky. Some people already mm-hmm. two of three of Torva. If I was at that point where I almost had full Torva, I'd probably just skip leagues and just really just focus on Nex. But because I've only gotten one drop. I mean, it only comes around so often. Yeah. And even if you only end up playing for a week, so what? It's a week you didn't spend on your main. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I will do it most, now I'm. And it'll give you a chance to do like fishing or herb runs or whatever too. See, that's stuff what I'm a little stuff bit. Stuff you're doing intermittently now, you could just focus on more heavily in multi-logging. That's what I'm debating. Do I do leagues on this account? Because I really like the progression of like getting those league rewards, I guess. But at the mm-hmm. same time, I could do so much if I played the whole league for six weeks. How much? How many brews I can store up for next? Yeah. 
I uh, I play leagues, or at least I played the last league, and I will play this one on my original main non-iron. Okay. Because since I play hardcore, like any account that I have isn't necessarily permanent. Like it's going to die eventually. Yeah. And that's part of being a hardcore player is accepting that fact. But I'd rather have league rewards go to an account that I will always have in my main. Okay. That's actually a good. Okay. So I have a hardcore. I, I made a hardcore on release and I played it for about four months till it got permanently banned. Uh, I <laughs> auto clicked. So everyone's already pretty much heard the story if they follow my content. But um that account got permanently banned but then it got unbanned four years later which was just you know a few months back i i was like oh i have this like 1800 total hardcore with a dragon warhammer and you know all this other shit of fury and everything but like i have no motivation to play it <laughs> which fucking sucks but <laughs> um i think i might just use that account then for uh leagues yeah, I mean, and even in the future, if they do other leagues, you can always do that. you can use those points to buy things from previous leagues. So it's not like you're locked out of certain things forever. That's true. Yeah, I think I'll do it. So, what do you? Um, what path are you going to take this one? Or are you not going to say? Or are you just going to kind of figure it out as you go? I'm going in pretty blind, and the way that I think we uh, are perceiving the league so far is that I mean, the relics that you're going to get from skilling bossing are going to be pretty random so it might kind of make a path for you honestly mm. just based off the relics you get because i i wonder if i would like to do more of a skilling route where i just compete rather than just go kill bosses with a fun weapon because mm-hmm. like well, the thing know. about leagues is, is that it kind of it kind of helps direct you in that the league tasks are okay. fine like it'll tell you to do xyz it's like okay that's something i'll go do as opposed to just arbitrarily skilling or bossing yeah i kind of wonder like what would be the path i take like go for league points or go for like overall xp or something because like i do have the skiller inside of me where i would love to just do i don't know if there's some weird relic that just makes you mine shit super fast just get 200 mil mining i know it sounds like I know it sounds so stupid for the majority of players, but I think that'd be cool to like have some crazy thing where you just, I don't know, mine an entire inventory of Runite in one fucking tick or just something. Just Well, you'll probably be able to do like uh, three tick, four granite and get like 16 XXP and then it gets sent to your bank so you don't have to drop it or anything. Yeah, something crazy like that. And that is appealing to me. I think that's fun. When there's tasks and stuff, because I remember watching people do leagues, and I would see these tasks, I'm like, that just sounds not fun. I mean, if you play the game, the tasks kind of just get done, but you can also direct yourselves towards purposefully completing tasks. And that will get you league points, which I think are used to unlock, like, skills, and I think you have to unlock individual boss encounters as well. Okay. I I know you're not the best person to ask this because you're a content creator and you would play RuneScape anyway after a league, but what is the feeling after a league ends? I guess you only played for three weeks anyway, but, like, did it feel just... Well, I I don't have a good answer because at the time is when I was doing my MSB RCB Inferno, so, like, I wasn't super keen on getting back to that after leagues. And I was also just a little bit burnt out, and I was also kind of around the time I was moving to Florida as well and just had a lot going on. Mm. And so that's that's when I wasn't streaming for like two months just because I was like taking a little break and I had this whole move going on. Yeah. So I wouldn't say I have the best answer for that question. But generally, there is a little bit of a burn. It kind of feels like it feels like a highway off ramp, kind of like you were just going <laughs> 80 miles an hour. Now you're going 30. Ah, uh, OK. Low. But that's a good after thing. a few weeks, you, you get back. 
Okay. Yeah, and I think I, I hate multi logging. I fucking hate it, but uh, I do as well. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I will simply because it's so inevitable. Like I just have to make tens of thousands of brews, so like might as well just camp mole or something just for a long ass time. Interesting. Okay, well, um, maybe you didn't need to sell me. Maybe I just sold myself, but maybe you, maybe you helped in it. So I would heavily recommend giving it a try. I will. I you regret not having done so. And it's fun. It's like with any lunch, doing something on day one where everyone's just like running around all dumb. It's always fun. That's true. I will give it a try this time. And I've always kind of regretted not being able to relate with people that talk about it because I'm like, uh, yeah. yeah. So, okay. What is the secret to your chocolate chip cookies? That's what Smoochie's asking. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's in reference to a, uh, a tweet I had like a week or two, a week or two ago where I made chocolate chip cookies. Was that, were, were those the cookies I saw on Twitter? I saw a plate of cookies. Was it, Were those yours? Those were probably mine, yeah. Okay. Those and, looked delicious, by the way. So those came out pretty well, and they, they looked a lot like the ones that, uh, that my mom would make growing up, which mm-hmm. I always fancied very much. But every time, I'm an awful baker because I'm very much a guy in that, like, if I think I know what to do, I'll kind of take it in my own hands. Like, I got this. But you can't <laughs> yeah. do that with baking. Yeah. Baking has to be so exact where if you just mess up any part of it, it's going to ruin the whole thing. And I always do that. <laughs> but this was like the one time where I just kind of got it all right. Put your pride aside. Just follow the yeah. Th- directions. Yeah. And I'm not a, I'm not big on baking either because in the living alone, if I make like a tray of brownies, <laughs> they're all going I'm, to your. I'm belly. eating that tray of brownies, yeah. and I'm not going to put myself in that position. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's one thing if you have like a, a work office, you could pawn them off on. Yeah, and then you also get like everyone loves you for it too. So yeah, it's not just you loathing yourself after you eat a whole fucking tray of brownies. I I'm, I one made cupcakes once and uh, brought them into my my job when i was a personal trainer for a couple of years back in college <laughs> okay so let me ask you this do you like banana bread uh i mean i don't dislike it it's definitely not a favorite of mine my client completely froze those hopping worlds i'm just we're we're totally good but my i have to just restart my client um i put blueberries you just reminded me i need to clear my cash i've been getting authentic authenticator asking me every single oh just really need to take care of that before league um, I put, uh, blueberries in my banana bread batter and, and did they all sink to the bottom? No, 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 they didn't. They did not. And I was, I didn't really know what to expect. Again, this is one of those things like where you're baking, you just choose, you know, some, some Liberty you just go with, and it's probably going to ruin the whole thing, but you just go with it anyway. Um, yeah, I put blueberries in it and it ended up being the best banana bread I had ever made. Because the blueberries all sat where they were. They all just kind of like were mixed in very well. Because you mix it into the batter. And then they just pretty much stay there. Um, well, blueberries, I guess, are a little uh, a little drier. It's the wet fruits that tend to just kind of sink into a, into a Yeah, bit. that. But, oh, my God. Like, I didn't know it would turn out that well. But it was like the sweet cinnamon, that, that like home smell. You know, you just smell that banana bread cooking. And then um, let me just get my client ready to go. But then you got that tartness of just like I don't know if it's like nice like tartness like here and there. Oh, it was so good. I recommend it to anyone. Oh, it's delicious. <laughs> Sounds like you want to go do that after this. I do, but I can't do it because I'm gonna eat it all. And eating a full 
loaf of banana bread makes you feel like ass. I'll just say that. Yeah, I was uh, luckily I was responsible enough to ration like two cookies a day for like a week <laughs> it's and a half. So hard though. That's like impossible to do for me, especially cookies. Like I, I love to bake and to cook. It's just if I'm only doing it for me, I'm less inspired to do so. Like yeah. that to me is a perfect adult existence. Is if like I was doing these grocery store trips and buying all these ingredients and then just kind of like formulating dinners and stuff based off what's in the house day to day and like a very, very old school kind of way, as opposed to just planning day by day and going to the store every two or three days. Yeah. That there- to me is ideal. And then having like a responsible bedtime, getting up early. Yeah. Responsible bedtime is fucking impossible. Well, actually responsible bedtime is actually a lot easier than a responsible wake up time. Like I actually yeah the like the older it. I get the less I uh, am inclined to sleep in I was like as when I was a teenager I had like a like a two p.m. wake up time like yeah. anybody did in those hormonal <laughs> stages but now I really can't sleep past like ten a.m. just yeah. cannot do it I can do it but it would have to have had me like staying up till like three a.m. yeah I I can never do that I can never get my sleep schedule that bad without feeling internalized guilt yeah. That's a good thing to have that guilt, by the way. I hope you uh, don't take it for granted having that guilt. It's pretty. It's, it's a good thing to have. I a little so. guilt goes a long way. It's also part of why I hate not being so into my uh, nutrition and fitness right now. Being in like, being in like the top point zero 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 one percent of knowledge on how to address that issue, and then not doing it <laughs> yeah. makes you feel a little guilty. Yeah, having absolutely. such expertise in a field and then just being a fat ass. Yeah, you like or or you're trying to give your expertise to somebody else, and you just can't say it confidently because you're just not living it yourself. You're like, Shit. yeah, there's definitely something to be said for credibility in living living your knowledge. Yep, and kind of showing off that aspect of it. Absolutely. And it kind of relates to RuneScape a little bit too. Like, uh, I don't know. You could talk all you want about RuneScape and stuff, but until you like do it. And RuneScape's like, a really like grindy Twitch game. chat infernal backseaters who have never had Because <laughs> yeah. they saw Wooks do something one time. Yeah. Yeah. I saw Lake just flaming this guy. He was doing next. Some guy's like telling him how to kill next. And he's like, have you done a duo yet by yourself? Like, have you, have you done this? Because if you haven't, stop talking. Like, yeah. What do Everybody you do? always wants to be the hero yeah. in Twitch chat, and it's <laughs> yeah. a lot—it's a lot worse for girl streamers, I think. Oh, it's got to be. They always so want, to be, want to be the knight in shining armor who teaches her how to do something. Dude, I can't. I I can't be in those streams where it's just a girl streaming and then like ten dudes backseating her. I'm just like, <laughs> I have to leave. I have to leave the area because I'm just like, this is so cringe. I don't know. It's. Maybe that's my own thing, but... Uh. Well, eventually you just got to take the Bodie approach and just give him the axe. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've, talk- I've talked about this with previous guests on, like, what do you do when you're a new streamer and you've never really... You, you have people that are, like, borderline toxic, but they're still, like, just treading that line oh, of, like, still being... That's able. the million-dollar question, is that if you have... If you have five viewers and... Three of them are lurkers, and one of them's like a dumbass, and he just is talking. But you can't ban him because he's like your he's only, done and he's done nothing truly wrong yet. But he's just annoying. Yeah. But people do love to toe that line of like being oh. just appropriate enough to not justify a ban. Yeah. But you got to understand that if it's your platform, you don't owe them anything, and if they're being toxic, just get rid. 
yep. you get a lot happier if you conduct your platform the way that you want to. And, and then if you become liable to what people think your stream is supposed to be. That's how you become Ice Poseidon. <laughs> yep, literally. But then you get that guy that, like, you know, you're five years of one guy talking. Then he gives you money. And then it's like, shit, now I, like, just actually, like, it's still my platform, but you've made this way more complicated where it's like. Yeah, that's that's another thing is, I mean, you'll, <laughs> you'll, uh, you'll be a little more lenient with someone who's been, like, a subscriber and supporting you. Yeah. But you can't let them. Yeah. You, you can't just... let them lord money over you either. Yep. Yep. And uh, that's something that took me a while to, I, of course, I'm a dude that's, you know, I'm, I'm confident enough with myself uh, and I don't get bothered too much by people being annoying unless it's annoying my chat then I'll get rid of them. But like I can mm -hmm. pretty much deal with it. Uh, but now it's just gotten to the point where it's like, yeah, if I'm just not having it, I'll just ban you because as a, that is the nicest thing that any streamer can ever learn is the ban button. Just Oh, yeah. Oh, it's over. Shout out to Bodie for popularizing that in the category. <laughs> yeah. No, Even it if really he's is. more of a meme in his stream, he's still, he's quick on the trigger. Mm -hmm. In my stream, I mean, if you get banned in my stream, it's probably because you deserve to get banned. That's not to say there hasn't been a few people to slip through the cracks who said something that maybe I misinterpreted. But usually I can see when someone's just trying to skirt that line. Yep. Okay. Uh, but also, by that same token, I will say, one must be aware that not everybody who comes into your stream... First of all, not only do they speak English as a first language or whatever your language is, so they might be a little lost in translation, but that person could also have like autism or something and not really understand that what they're saying yep. isn't necessarily appropriate. And you can't necessarily just hit him with the hammer because <laughs> it wasn't really their fault. Yeah, it does get a little bit tough. You, you don't know the person behind the, the screen name always. Yeah. And what's kind of weird is like the more you actually, it's it's so strange. I don't know if this is how you kind of see things or like you're a more visual person, but I can almost imagine what my viewers look like, which is really weird because I've never actually seen the majority of them. But like based on the way they talk and stuff, I can almost imagine like what they yeah, like who they are. In I mean, a way. You get impressions, but I try not to try not to lean too heavily into those. Like if you're here, we're talking, having a good time. You're my friend. You're, yeah, I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you do. Yeah, but it is interesting when you do eventually see a picture of somebody that you had this impression of for so long that they look like somebody else. Yeah. And you're like, ah, oh. you know, when Zulu first revealed his face, I was so surprised. Like I was just like, huh? This is what you look like? Like, your voice sounds so much different than... Yeah, I remember, I think I had similar thoughts. Not that I really had an impression of what he looked like. Yeah, just, I, it I didn't really I didn't look either. like his voice to me. But, I mean, the more you see somebody, it just... Yeah, it just they starts... Start Adicon as well. Adicon used to stream without a face cam. Dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that... He was the... Oh, my God. Like, it's just not what I imagined at all. Like, complete opposite. It was crazy, so... It's always interesting. What do you think about streamers that do no face cam? I mean, some people just find comfort in that format and they think they can be more themselves if people aren't scrutinizing their every eyebrow furrow or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you start to, it doesn't necessarily even stem from being self-conscious. It's just like, you don't feel like you can properly be yourself. Yeah. West Ham uh, kind of brought that up. He's like, I just, I would I just enjoy myself a lot more without it. Like I just mm -hmm. enjoy streaming. And at the end of the day, it's very important that one enjoys themselves or else yeah. people are going to understand that 
Yeah. See if you're having a bad time. It's very impressive to me the people that, you know, have made a full time gig out of streaming without a face cam. I I I couldn't have done it. Um and I feel like I actually would have ended up getting more self conscious about not having a face cam. Mm-hmm. Just because people would always ask me, Where's your like What are you hiding? Yeah, and then like when are you gonna get a face cam or something like that? And then you always have to like ask like answer it in a mm-hmm. I feel bad in a way where like people are asked. I'm like, dude, just they want to do this. Like, no need to ask them. Just, just let them do it. If you don't want to watch, don't watch. But like, ugh. yeah, yeah I think I don't know. people are always too quick to just join a Twitch chat and immediately ask a question that if they spent more than two seconds would become self-evident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of kind of interesting. But I always love the reveals when people eventually do show their face i just love oh yeah that. austin formerly uh raj from the old school yeah. category very handsome feller <laughs> and always play this character in runescape yeah do, dude do you remember watching those back in 2015 those raj patel shows at the sand casino and as a POA? i never i never watched his stream back in RuneScape. oh dude were, dude i love that like so many like huge names have stemmed from like old school oh absolutely and that's the thing with runescape is that anybody who's in like that 22 to 32 bracket has probably played runescape whether or not they consider it as their main original game they've played it at some point yep yeah very very cool to have seen like so much success coming from like the austin show now as it's called yeah so many big streamers came out of the category yeah he's just one he's tip of the iceberg really yeah, I just think I think what's I don't know actually know exactly. Um, I don't follow too much into like the Austin show in it or anything, but like I just know it, it seems as though it's like once a month there's a new show. It just doesn't even seem like a regular thing anymore. I think he's kind of in like a semi-retirement. You you reach a certain stage, you make so much money in such a short period of time, you don't have to <laughs> You're just like don't have to keep pushing it. Yeah, but I just thought it's so cool. It's like, damn. This guy can go live whenever the hell he wants with big names and pull tens and tens of thousands of viewers. Just yeah. boom. Like that's fucking awesome. That that's like I think that's fucking power. Like just top end cool. Twitch is a little bit of a click these days, which is a bit off putting and sometimes seems a little immature, but I mean it is what it is. Yeah, there's really no changing it either. Like how would how would you change that? Like I don't know. Like, there's some things that are just, like, the way it is. It's just never going to change. Yeah. I mean, one just has to accept their own place and just keep doing their own thing. Yeah. Okay. Um. I don't know if this is going to relate. Furry Wall asks, do you feel that Leagues 3 is testing the waters to perhaps adding a new skill, archaeology, and lodestones to the game? So I've never played RS3. don't really know what. I don't know how archaeology is. I know that's a thing, and I don't know what lodestones are at all. So if you have I don't think so, personally, but I never put it past Jagex to just, like, take an existing idea that people are kind of okay with and just try to run with it just to for the sake of putting out content. Mm-hmm. Like, for the longest time, I was saying, this was years ago when they kept trying to pitch the VLS God. I was like, don't say yes to this because they're just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And then like 10 polls later after polling it every single time, they're like, all right, we're just going to put it in PVP worlds. It's okay. God, 
what is their why do they have such a hard on for the VLS? I've never understood that. Just I don't know. And just I don't I'm not a big fan in general of them taking things that existed in previous eras of RuneScape and just like feeling like they have to bring that thing is in because they can't think of anything else. Yeah, for unique I, ideas. I feel the same way, although I I wonder how I would feel about that if I did play RS3 because I didn't. I just played in 2004 to 2007. And then I quit. Yeah, I played similar era. I played a little bit in like 09, 2010, pre-EOC, but like pre-Nex era too. Okay. Yeah, I, I just wonder like would I have really loved that stuff? Because I know a lot of people did play then. And they they will honestly come out with a blog saying we're releasing like, for example, Soul Wars. They came out with that. I was like, I don't know what this is. And they're not even saying what it is because they just assume everyone knows what it is. Yeah. It's like, what the hell is Soul Wars? <laughs> like... I still, to this day, I still have no idea what it is, and I've never played it. Hey, Jagex, could we have Stealing Creations? Nope, here's Soul Wars. Yeah, and That's the thing is, I don't even know what Stealing Creation is. So, like, whenever I hear any of these things, and people are mentioned, like, oh, there's curses, and there's this, and there's this. I'm like, dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. You need to explain this to me like I've never played yeah, it. Stealing Creations was great, but that was after the era where you said you played. It was just like a kind of a a multifaceted skilling slash combat minigame that was like you everybody would spawn in naked and you would like you would make your own armor and weapons and people could like craft their own runes to give to mages to fight the other team and you just you wanted to be the better of the two teams was that the minigame where people could get 99 slayer without training no that was soul wars i believe that was stealing creations though it it did give things it gave like um could get like a harpoon or you could get melee armor or mage armor, range armor that for like two or three hours of in-game usage time would give you, it was either 1.5 or 2x XP, which would definitely encroach into some metas at some point nowadays. But yeah, the idea behind the, the mini game itself of stealing creations, pretty much everybody has fond memories of it. But in general, that was just an era where people played mini games. So perhaps they conflate their fond memories with just, kind of more the mmo experience in general Mm -hmm. interesting okay breaking boaz again kind of things we've already covered but he's asking any topics related to the state of the game thoughts on content releases in the past two years optimized strats to end game content and thoughts on upcoming raids release um yeah i mean we've we've touched on most everything in that question but i would say like i People would say this. it's been kind of stale for updates for the last year or two. Most would say that. But like I've said, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Because I was, I would always prefer a very well-hashed-out update to one that they just forced out for the sake of content, personally. Yeah, I agree. What do you think but about for the future? For future content, I just generally like to take it as it comes. Okay. What? Uh, I don't think we've. I've really asked you this. And again, you haven't done them yet although you sound kind of interested in doing combat achievements but what do you think of the difficulty of it and the rewards given from combat achievements i i'm kind of fine with them the way that they are i mean you could make a i know some people want like if you do master or grandmaster maybe like an extra rune in your rune pouch or like teleports to certain places or not having to get kill count yeah. for God Wars Dungeon, but I kind of like them the way they are. I don't like to... Um, I don't want to feel like I'm missing out by not doing this completely optional content that yep. to me is more of just an accolade. 
I don't want to feel like I don't have this item that would be really beneficial to have, and I got to go do all this bullshit to get it. Yeah, get an Infernal Cape plus where it's got plus 12 strength or some where it's just like, okay, now I have to do this. Like, yeah. I actually have to. Something too pervasive. I'm, I'm okay with little quality of life's but nothing that nothing that encroaches to that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um. Like if you've done Grandmaster combat achievements, I think you deserve to go into Bandos with no Casey. Honestly. But yeah. Like, nothing more than. That. I will say next. Really, I wonder if what they did with um combat achievements was w- with the assumption that next was already going to come out because nobody knew that next was going to come out mm-hmm. but now that it is out it's like uh it's really nice only only having to get 30 kc or 30 essence now yeah i don't know i just would be curious to see if maybe they'll extend that to other things in the future so you can get your you can get your zillana kc and like 10 spiritual mages instead of it taking 25 minutes or yeah getting an extra key. Yeah. No, it's it is. So I haven't actually done any God Wars since next release, but now there's these essence instead of KC. So I think it's a lot easier to just get KC for God Wars in the first place. Because I think it's other the same are... everywhere except for the ancient. Really? Era. Yeah. That's annoying. So everything's like still it's called essence, but like a Sarah wizard is still just a Sarah wizard. It's just one essence. Yes. Like everything's that's so dumb. Are you serious? Yeah, which is why I think maybe maybe they'll extend it at some point to where yeah, different monsters w- give more essence. Like a Gorak could give you like 10 Zami. Yeah, that's really strange. It's silly, actually, that they haven't already done that. Because the meta has always been, oh, just kill the imps. I thought that was literally the purpose of bringing essence out, was that like imps are now one, and then everything else is like two or three. Interesting. We'll have to see. Yeah, those ecumenical key shards, though, uh, I will be stacking those up because yeah i mean i i was very thankful the day of release for next or like i was pretty lazy about not going and getting ecumenical keys and then it just turned out that that was such a (laughs) non-issue on release yeah and i was happy that i didn't invest all that time i went and got like one or two yeah and it was like the night before next and i just knew it was going to be infested with DKers. so i would just (laughs) i'd bring rag gear and i would bring about 24 spades and like a super combat version (laughs) Dude, it was bad. The night before releases when I got my five, and every single world had three people on it, at least. Yeah. It was weird. All right. Um, let me scroll through some of the uh, kind of more niche slash quirky questions. Flopple asks, when you retire from RuneScape, will you start up a cat daycare? I would love that, honestly. I would love to be in a position of retirement where I could just, like, I could just make like a, a fancy house to have like 10 cats and a couple of dogs in <laughs> just to give them a, such a luxurious existence. Oh, that'd be awesome. Okay. Eviescape asks, any danger of a front double bicep? You are after not, not these days. <laughs> a <laughs> front double bicep is one of the traditional poses in bodybuilding. Just like oh, okay. To present their physique, so to speak. <laughs> okay. Just being cheeky with that. Let's see. These right. days, no, I'd be much too embarrassed to show myself. Yeah, yeah. I um, have no pictures of me at my like at my physical peak. Only only pictures that were like a little bit after that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I kind of um, I don't know if that's a a thing I really regret or not, but it would it would be kind of cool to see 
like pictures of my body from i know that sounds weird but like just like taking little pictures of me like every year or something like an actual yeah. like just portrait just like full body portrait of myself and just see like you know six months or a year and just take a picture and just kind of see where i i've go. never been a picture guy so like i have no yeah have me neither no way to listen to know what i used to look like even even when i did care very much about that sort of thing yeah I actually um, kind of have a problem with that. Last year, I tried to get into, like, Tinder and stuff, <laughs> and I had no pictures to, like, put up. <laughs> or they were, like, six years ago, and I'm like, okay, now I'm just catfishing at this point. But, yeah. with a fish. I, I kind of wish I was more of a picture person or just had more, but. I mean, I'm I'm fine to take a picture if I'm in, like, an interesting setting. Yeah, where but a when picture are we ever justified, but I'm not just going to be like sat at my computer, like here's take a, me, take a selfie. Yeah, people see you. You can see me for seven hours a day, every day. So you know those boom. are you know those are actually like proven really good engagement tactics is to take a picture of yourself before you go live. Like I know girls yeah, I mean, do you it. See it all the time, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's fucking huge to just post a picture. Like it's something. I'm trying to think of where I heard this. Uh, somebody was just saying like, oh, it must have been uh... – oh, never mind. I can't remember. I don't want to misspeak. but I think in social media in general, like the more you interact with a platform, mm-hmm. the more propensity it has to show what you are posting to other people. Yeah. There's also something with your face. Apparently just faces in general are so insanely just – attractive in a way like just humans gravitate like just instantly looked at a face you know or they can see faces mm-hmm. and stuff and i think just posting a picture of your face is probably just like uh i, I can know. see that yeah something with it i don't know clickable it's clickable here i'll say that um okay corsan asks does roidy use a green screen as a background <laughs> and then there's an answer to that in the thread <laughs> yeah. i recall let me read that. no it's almost like um it's almost like a uh, a double subversion with the way that my background is because this place, like I said, was my uh, my grandparents. They bought in like '96, and I would assume they furnished it immediately. And by they, I mean my grandma primarily. And she was uh, she was a woman of taste. She was her whole life in the modeling industry. Yeah. She was a model, then she was like an agency director. And so she she was kind of had a taste for the finer things, of course, and. Um, this place definitely has that old lady vibe to it, like the pink stuff and all sorts of paintings and ceramic. But you tune in and you see the background and you think that it's a green screen because like who would have a background that looks that way? Yeah. But then you ask yourself if he did have a green screen, why would he choose that? <laughs> and then they find yeah. out that it's not a green screen. <laughs> They're like, what the hell? Yeah. Oh God. But it's an interactive one apparently. Right. So yeah, I mean, you can see my you can see my cat walk in the background sometimes. <laughs> a lot of professional editing on that one to get that just right. But. but I mean, I don't mind it. It's definitely a little well, not a little bit. It's a hell of a lot more interesting than any background I would have if I had my own apartment. I'm, my, uh, yeah, I'm very Spartan. I'm the, I'm the typical like couch, bed, desk type of guy. My my background for the longest time before I got a little painting. Um, from new new nails to give her a little shout out but uh before that it was just a, a wall like not even a door behind me just a wall like that's it just a blank wall nothing else on it but now you know got a little painting now there which is nice but 
Yeah, I'm very, I'm very much a guy when it comes to decorating. Our apartment is just plain. So. Yeah, I will. I will always be that way unless unless there's some girl to do it for me. I'm I'm not interested in <laughs> yeah. the time to do that. Yeah. Not that I think I have bad taste if I were to commit to it. It's just I don't care personally. Yeah, I just don't. You know, they they have those memes where it shows it's always a girl posting. It'll be like guys think you know or what what do they say? Guys will live in a in an apartment like this and see nothing wrong. Yeah, yeah, they they see nothing wrong. This like a fucking lawn chair in the with a tv <laughs> like that's it and that's actually what's so funny about that lawn chair on the tv that's exactly how my first apartment looked when i first started streaming i was literally streaming on a lawn chair it was yeah i, I streamed in my original streaming apartment i was just i was just in like a dining room chair <laughs> it was not yeah. particularly comfortable yeah. although the more the less comfortable the chair the better your posture tends to be yeah except your butt just aches afterward that's the only downside. But yeah, you do sit up a lot straighter. Okay. Well, I have a few questions for you. Just just two. Actually, I guess three with the shout-outs involved. Sure. But um, I think we've pretty much covered everything. Let me just run it by you. Do you think... Uh, for, I, I, I've seen some other topics I haven't quite hit on, but I think we've talked about it just enough. So mm-hmm. um, I'll ask you this. Do you like RuneScape more now or before you started streaming? I would say almost definitely more now. Okay. Because anything that I'm going to be so engaged with, I'm just going to I'm going to get to the bottom of it. And I'm going to learn more and more, and I think RuneScape is unique in that the theoretical skill cap is basically infinite. Yeah. In that you might be able to always improve at a certain activity. Not that that improvement is going to give you a better result, but like you can be better <laughs> at just about everything there is to do. And anything where there's the chase of perfection, I am a huge perfectionist and I will always want to get more to the bottom of something. Mm-hmm. And I think when I was a more casual player before streaming, I don't think I had as much fun playing. It's always funny because you always hear the champions are having the most fun. But then, like, yeah. are they? Are they, though? I mean, in the innocent sense, of course, everybody had more fun <laughs> when we were 10 years old. Yeah. But in terms of, like, 2014 versus now, I think I have more fun. I always love opposing that and just saying, no, they are hating the game right now. They hate their, like, they're in this iron armor. They have no idea why they can't run. Don't know yeah. what potions are. Yeah. And the other question I have is, where would you like to be in five years? That's or the where, kind of thing I generally don't think too much about as we as we touched on earlier where any situation I find myself in I tend to be able to make the best of it. So, yeah. Wherever I happen to be in 5 years time, I'm sure I'm going to be doing all right for myself probably. It would be wonderful. I mean, if I could continue to stream and live the life I do now, but mm-hmm. that may not be realistic. I don't see why it wouldn't be. I don't think I don't think the platform or the game is really going anywhere, but it just it remains to be seen what's going to happen at that time. All right. Yeah. There's I always the possibility right. of going more towards variety stuff. I'm plenty of people that would like me to play other stuff, but past a certain point, you need to understand that a streamer generally isn't too inclined to do that because it is going to be a hit to their career. Yep. And they will always compare themselves now, even if they're still doing great, they will compare it to the best they've ever been doing. Yeah. And you're just you're kind of volunteering yourself for a dock off your monthly pay. Yep, that's literally what it is. 
Okay. The last thing I want to ask before we do the little outro and the the links and everything is I want three shout outs from you. Three people that you uh, feel like deserve it, maybe aren't given enough credit. And uh, yeah, just three. Anybody in the community doesn't have to be top three. Hmm. Well, Foe's got to be in there for sure. We talked about it earlier, how yep. he inspired so much, inspired me so much just in his persona and showed me that it was a realistic thing to do for someone like myself to try streaming. Yeah. Because like I... I kind of always wanted to be a content creator, honestly, from the time I was very young. What I wanted to do really bad was I wanted to be a Call of Duty call- content creator when I was like 15. Because mm. I was super, super good at Call of Duty back when I was a teenager. <laughs> but being a pro gamer, at least in the U.S., I mean, it's been a thing in Korea for a longer period of time. But in the U.S., like pursuing being a youtuber back before people even knew if it was legal to stream games because like you didn't own that content (laughs) being a youtuber or being a professional gamer just did not seem like a realistic trajectory for one's life even though it kind of was in retrospect it's not something i ever like focused myself towards if i could go back i probably would i'd say yeah yeah it is interesting to think about like what if what was the original question? Because that definitely was just three shout outs. You said foe oh, yeah. was one for that reason. I would say Bodhi, just because I consider him to be a very good friend. And I've always loved being in his stream and he's always been extremely supportive of mine as well. Like I must accredit some, if not a large amount of my growth to him and how much he's talked about me over the years. Because awesome. he, he, for whatever reason, enjoys the content I put out and he's very vocal about that. And not just me, but many people too. Like, yep. I'm sure there's two dozen people who could say these very same words about him. And as far as a third person. Oh, uh, maybe just my oldest brother. I'll just take a cop out answer of my oldest brother. Uh, He's always been a good friend. He was always very supportive of anything I wanted to do in life. And there was a time in my life where he, uh, he definitely supported me monetarily when I was in kind of a crossroads, like Mm -hmm. around that time, I was like 20 and didn't know what to do. He is very well-to-do because he has worked very hard his whole life. He works for, uh, he works for Bloomberg and he's like living in New York city and getting big salary and (laughs) traveling all around. So he's, he was always, he had the means to do it and he did. And like, I still probably owe him so much money right now. Just (laughs) that's awesome. That's amazing to have. A brother that's just like willing to help you out my my older brother also helped me when i first started streaming i mean i couldn't have gotten an apartment myself i was living with my brother um and like i don't know he just really helped me out he, he probably i've i've mentioned it to him but i don't think he knows like the magnitude of like how much that helps a person that's trying to stream and making dimes initially yeah to have a roof over their head and shit so like i after that period where he initially helped me out like i was fine it's just it can be very hard to get a couple thousand dollars to position yourself to live your life like that's the hardest part right there and he he provided that for that's awesome all right um roidy it's been uh an absolute pleasure time full time literally flies it's almost been three and a half hours yeah i mean i I could talk all day i got i got nowhere to be and i'm an open book but it's been a fun (laughs) been a fun experience yeah i really do appreciate your time uh this afternoon to come on and i'll have your links so you say you stream about every day and just 
Uh, I think seven days a week, you said, but then like, certain days you'll, you'll just take off. Um, yes, I don't have a stream schedule per se. I just tend to fall into a pretty uh, pretty similar routine where I'll go live at like noonish Eastern Standard Time and I'll stream for roughly six to seven hours, seven days a week, which you know, eventually equates to being what you'd consider full time. But I don't have this rigid schedule. Yeah, I just don't operate well that way. All right, you heard it, guys. Noon Eastern, most days, you can catch Roydy live on Twitch. I'll have it in the description. I'll have your Twitter there. Do you have a YouTube? I do not have a YouTube. Do you ever plan people, to? People tend to think that YouTube videos just like grow on trees. And I ask you why <laughs> yeah. you don't do YouTube. Yeah. But it's never been something I'm super interested in. And in the current climate of YouTube, it's not really, not always the best monetary move either. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um. Okay, then uh, is there anything else you'd like linked? Maybe your OnlyFans or something? No. Oh, let me get that for you. <laughs> no. I am all set. All right. I'm sure most people who are going to listen probably know me anyway. But okay. it's, been, it's been nice to have more of a long-form conversation. Yeah, this has been really nice. I will say, I just got to give you credit. You are a very well-spoken person. This was just very enjoyable. I never felt like there was dead air. Just It was nice, so thank you. I am a I'm actually a pretty huge introvert myself and very much like to be alone. Yeah. But if I have someone to talk to, that's I work very well with extroverted people mm. who can like I'm not extrovert. I would consider myself introverted, but No, but if if the conversation's going, I always have something to say about just about everything. It's just I'm not going to be the one to volunteer those words. Yeah. Well, I do appreciate your time tonight, guys. Mod Ayiza will be on next week, so prepare for that. We'll be talking about next another stuff and i'll have a tweet out so be sure to follow me on twitter as well down in the description and thank you guys for listening we'll catch you in the next one peace bye bye Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.